Welcome to the Cinema Swamp, the podcast where friends, enemies, and Minnesotans argue about movies. In this episode, a new segment surfaces in the Cinema Swamp. Justin entertains us with his top 10 favorite movies of all time. What movies does this guy like? Which films made him into the cinephile that we know today? While exploring the Cinema Swamp, beware of minor spoilers for Mamma Mia 1 and 2, Darren Aronofsky's Mother, now, I suppose that sounds like Darren Aronofsky's mother. The film, the film by Darren Aronofsky, Mother, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Explorers, Youth in Revolt, E.T., Stand By Me, Godzilla 2014, Age of Ultron, Up, Dark Knight Returns, and Poultrygeist. Not to be confused with Poultrygeist. Also be aware of major spoilers for Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Goonies, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Kick-Ass, The Incredibles, Saving Private Ryan, Ed Wood, The Dark Knight, Captain America Civil War, the original Star Wars trilogy, Toy Story, Back to the Future, Hot Rod, and episode 16 of season one of the Goldbergs, Goldbergs Never Say Die. Alright, welcome to the third episode of The Cinema Swamp. Um... We're your hosts. Uh, my name is Hunter. Uh, my name is Justin. That's Justin Wilton. Don't confuse that with another. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is named Justin on this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this episode is going to be all about uh, basically Justin's top 10 favorite movies. Um, 10 movies that Justin's loved and appreciated and seen millions of times growing up. Um, and yeah, we just get to learn a little bit about Justin because of the movies. But before we get into that, we want to introduce our very first segment ever of the Cinema Swamp called Last Movie on Earth, which at the beginning of each of our episodes, we're going to basically just say what's the last movie that we saw. Um, so yeah, if, you know, if today was your last day on Earth, what was the last movie that you'd have seen? So Justin, what was the last movie that you've seen? My last movie is actually Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. I just came out of the theater from it. You know, the sequel to the highly popular uh, film from 2008, which is also in itself a remake of... Well, not a remake, but the adaptation of the musical. I hated the first one. I think it's terrible. I think it's annoying. And for some reason, I don't know what they did differently, but for some reason, the second one's actually good. (laughs) It's enjoyable. It's got the better ABBA songs. It's got fun dance numbers, and it's colorful, and it just... Everyone there is having a good time. You It lifts your spirits up. It really does. I think so. Mm-hmm. Screw me. I'm sorry. I loved it. <laughs> uh, would you recommend it to a certain type of person? Like, I would. Like moms, or... <laughs> I think every mom on the planet should see this movie. They will be... In tear, and I'm being serious. Actually, like this is it's going to be a tearjerker for some women out there, you single ladies with the children, especially. (laughs) Seriously, I think so. All you singing moms from the eighties. If you love like old school seventies music, if you like you know really boppity musicals that just I I don't know. I think this is I think it's for anybody who is of that demographic, thirty to fifty or older. And, you know, I know some gentlemen might be a little, but, you know, I say go, go. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun time. Learn to have a little fun. It's the Jurassic World of music, mm-hmm. uh, musicals, I think, yeah. <laughs> if I that makes if, any sense. I don't know if you remember on our first episode, but Justin blatantly chose 
The Dark Knight over Mamma Mia 1 <laughs> with his mom in 2008. If you don't understand what I'm trying to say is... Mamma, <laughs> Mamma Mia is is terrible, but Mamma Mia Here We Go Again <laughs> is Oscar-worthy. <laughs> so you do recommend seeing the first one first, though. <laughs> I recommend throwing the first one down a dumpster and uh, just go, going from that dumpster to the movie theater to see the new one and just pretend the other one don't exist. It doesn't exist. Dang. Yeah. I'm kidding. I don't know. I, no, I know people love the first Mamma Mia, so give it. I give it a break. Whatever, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and the second one, I just I enjoyed more. It's so. It's just. It made me happy. Okay, this has been a bad week. <laughs> yeah, you look really happy. Like you. This, I am. This made your day. I'm sorry. Like I awesome. came here. I came. I was so happy. Like after <laughs> seeing that movie, came bippity bopping in. Hunter was waiting for me. I'm like, hello, guy. He didn't know what was hitting him. I am just... I didn't know what I was hitting me. I am full of joy. <laughs> anyway, what did you see? What was the last movie you saw well, before I... It's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. I hope it's like something really dark, like Solo or, you know, uh, like something even darker, like... Oh. Uh... <laughs> did I tell you yet? The complete... No, you haven't. Okay. I don't even know. What is Last that? night, I watched a little movie by Darren Aronofsky called Mother. Oh, and... <laughs> That's another great one for single mothers out there. <laughs> another one for a nice family relaxing movie on a Sunday afternoon, right after you get out of church and you've had a nice, a nice pleasant meal. You want to sit down with the family and just enjoy a nice, soothing, family-oriented movie. I genuinely encourage you to <laughs> watch Mother. Bring the children. Um, it's called Mother. I mean, what's yeah. wrong? <laughs> but not really. Mother is, if you know anything about Darren Aronofsky, he specializes in these psychological thriller slash horror movies that yeah. just make your skin crawl off but i personally love that that's one of my just I, I think it is such a cool testament to what you can do through cinema and i think darren aronofsky does an incredible uh thing with his movies like black swan and um uh requiem for a dream is incredible um but mother is top notch it's it's Probably one of my favorite movies, which will make to my list. It's currently not. When I explain the top ten um, rules for having a top ten, it doesn't quite make my top ten. But uh, well, Mother sure. is awesome, and I watched it with, I watched it with uh, one of my best friends, um, and his girlfriend who had never seen it, and then my one of my other uh, older friends who had never seen it either, <laughs> and they hadn't seen trailers for it or anything, and they didn't know what to expect, and watched it with them and. Man, by the time that third act comes around, they were just, ugh, they looked like they were turning inside out, and it was an amazing thing just watching them, but I loved it. But it was it was my third time watching it, um, and uh, dang, it was just, it was almost as good as seeing it in the theater the first time through. Oh, I was going to say, uh, did you see it in the theater? Because yeah. I, I didn't get a chance to. I saw it at home. <clears throat> didn't love it as much as you did. I'm really split on it. Have you only seen it one time? Yeah, and I mean, I get it is one of those movies. I bet mm-hmm. that you know you got to see it more than once. But like, to me, a lot of the symbolism in there was just that. It just seemed like random symbolism that didn't really have meaning. Mm-hmm. But like, I I've read so much about it and so much mm-hmm. of what people have read into it. And I'm like, it's it is fascinating. I mean, you can't get past one of his movies without thinking of any kind of like anything. It gets you. His movies get you thinking. And mm-hmm. but what I really appreciated about that movie was just like the whole circumstance of what's going on and how it just things progressively get worse and just like the sets of it all and the whole like I don't even know it just seems like it, it you feel like 
20 years are going by when really it's only like it's in reality still only like an, i don't know it's an hour and a half movie two hour movie mm-hmm. and everything still is like real time but it feels like 20 years i don't even know how to explain it but it's mm-hmm. weird it is a weird movie Everybody was telling the truth when they said it was out there. And yeah, I, I appreciated that part yeah. of it. Especially, as you said, the third act, that is where it gets great. I'm like, <laughs> this is awesome. Well, then going back rewatching it, though, like I said, it, it, it seems so slow, but it still right. it has you on the edge, man. Because like, at first you're just like... It's still cringy. Kinda, it the is. The beginning I'm, parts, when, when people are just like blatantly rude and stuff in it. and like, Well, it's just awkward oh, at man. times, because you're like, yeah. what is... And you, you can never really figure out what's going on, because mm-hmm. for a while you're just setting yourself in reality, and you're like, what is, what is this going on? And then, mm-hmm. you know, as you get towards the end, you're like, oh, you start kind of... Yeah. It's, yeah, it gives you a weird weird feelings i forgot what's his nuts isn't it um <laughs> his name is not what's his nuts domo gleason's yeah domo gleason yeah. and uh who he, was he he with? plays older brother yeah <laughs> I looked older at the brother cast, who the was young, younger brother's not like someone too famous uh, right i thought it was the guy from uh ghost of girlfriend's past the younger brother but it's not it wasn't I can't so, think so, of him, but it's not him. Look-alike to the guy from Ghost <laughs> yeah, Girlfriend's Younger Spence. brother. Or I, uh, cousin, cousin or nephew, whoever it is. I was just surprised that he was in it for a while. When I, got, I, was, I was like, oh, you know, there he is. And then it, that's when like things started even getting more twisty. And I'm like, <clears throat> what is going on? Mm-hmm. Definitely a weird movie. Yeah. Well, eventually, maybe after you see it again, I would love to do a podcast on it sometime. But... We could talk about that. I mean, we could talk about a couple of his mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, I have not I seen would... Requiem from a Dream. Uh, oh, really? Or a Dream? Yeah, I've Dude. never seen it. <laughs> it's somewhere up there. It is. So... I own it, so I'm gonna I will watch it, it with you because it is so good. Uh, I, that's my I, second favorite by him. I saw Black Swan when it came out, so I would have been, uh, I don't know, young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have been yeah. too young to watch it probably, but I remember most of it, mm-hmm. and it was wacky. I remember well, that. Th- people say that's like his most, like, thrilling. One and it's not even close to like Requiem or Mother. Yeah, I can even like remember after watching mm-hmm. Mother compared to Black Swan. I'm yeah. like, no, it's Requiem, Mother's. Requiem's like in between Black Swan and that, but mm-hmm. it's it's still super good. Um, anyway, that movies we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. So yeah, that was uh, last movie on Earth. Yeah. So we're gonna jump into the meat of this specific podcast episode. Um, which is Justin's top ten. This is a segment that we'd like to do. Eventually, I'll do it. You know, in a little while. Ah, um, you wasn't quick enough. Uh, yeah, I have them all up there. Justin had them all. Had them all saved on a web page. <laughs> um, but we'd like to have a bunch of guests on the show, even, and you know, guests that we trust, and we'd like to hear their top ten. And that's one of my favorite things to do is to sit down with people. And usually, I just ask them their top three favorite movies. But hearing people's top ten. Tells a lot about the person, mm-hmm. and then helps other people just learn more about movies and what you know to look for, what to expect, and what to hope for. So, um, yeah. So, what is the top ten? Basically, we're gonna go through Justin's top ten favorite movies. His, the movies that have made him into the film loving cinephile that he is. The movies that inspired him to, you know, get a minor in film, to start a YouTube channel, to start a podcast with me. <laughs> Um, yeah, these top 10 movies that kind of built Justin to be what he is. Um, yeah, do you have anything to say about it? I guess? It's a very boring basic list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I've seen a number of obscure movies and old movies, and but I think in a lot of ways, from what I've seen, especially with top 10 lists, is that it's usually movies that are bigger 
And a lot of times it's movies that you grew up with. I think that happens a lot. And these are a lot of these. In fact, the majority are movies I grew up with and had a big impact on me. And there's a number of them on there that really had an impact on, you know, filmmaking, lifestyle, and love for film in general. Definitely. But I got to say, making the top 10 is one of the hardest things you're ever going to do because I got down to like my top five movies and after that i had like a list of i don't know like 20 movies and i was just like i don't know i love these all so equally and it it doesn't matter i could be in 10 years from now this whole list could be different because it just depends maybe how recently i've seen the movie how many times i've seen the movie it's nuts that's why we got rules for this kind of but even then the rules most of them i already have beat with all these movies but yeah like over the rules again it's like yeah, so these are rules that I've, I've you know, I've, I listen to a lot of movie podcasts and stuff, and these are kind of rules I've set for myself and ask Justin and other people, like, you know, and basically these are the kind of the rules that we came up with. Um, <clears throat> so there's only three rules. First rule is to, to for a movie to be in your top ten, it has to be a movie that you've, that, that is at least one year old since its re- domestic release date. So, um you so, know, one of my favorite movies is Mother, I think, but it's not my top ten because it came out in September, which is still a couple months away, so it hasn't been a full year. Show Dogs would be number one, but since <laughs> it was only released a couple months ago, can't be in my yeah. top ten, so wait till Such next a bummer. year. <laughs> Such a bummer. Not even a Blu-ray yet. <laughs> Darn it! Um, so yes, that's first rule. It has to be a year old. Um, second rule is you have to have seen it at least three times, which seems like, I mean, to me, it seems like you're lowballing it. Like three times is easy for a favorite movie, but sometimes if it is a movie that came out a year ago, you know, you just got it now on Blu-ray and you want to pace yourself, you haven't seen it three times yet. So three times is a, a decent amount of time to really sit with a movie, let it stir and, you know, to, you know, I guess let it simmer kind of on your mind and, and, and your, your, your movie taste. Um, and then the last rule um, is that you have to own the movie on some sort of format, whether it's digital. I prefer at least a DVD. But if you're like me and Justin, you collect it on VHS or you know, and, and you have Blu-ray. to have VHS copy. You need yeah. to have a laser disc copy of this movie, yeah. otherwise it don't count. Yeah. You know, in fact, you have I have to have an audio book of this. Movie. I probably almost own a laser disc copy of some of these. Yeah. <laughs> We'll throw it in there when you get to the movie. You say, I happen to own this thing on LaserDisc. I own this one and this one. I own this on MiniDisc. I don't own many movies, but... (laughs) That's a lie. Right now, we're sitting in Justin's apartment (laughs) place, and he has... He just told me how he had to remove one of his four shelves, which is completely stocked to the brim with Blu-rays and DVDs and VHSs and box sets, and there's figurines of E.T. and... I think that guy in the yellow suit's from Breaking Bad, but I don't know mm-hmm. for sure. You're right. Nice. Yeah, it's not even a movie. I but... even have one video CD. <laughs> video CD. I had to double stack it. Mm-hmm. I was getting too many. But He's got, like, freaking... Uh, he had a laser disc of... Um, the other one, Back to the... F- yep. Yeah, Back to the Future. Yeah, Back to the Future, Batman, um, uh, the yeah. 89 film, and uh, Toy Story, Shawshank, Redemption, Wayne's World, and forget i have a couple more but i forget what yeah. they're called you just kind of i don't know i kind yeah. of forget that's not good I, just I, justin loves movies guys he's got the i don't i'm not i don't have as much money or time as he's had <laughs> yet i once i you know get the you know used bookstore 
located in Minneapolis, yeah. all over. Actually, maybe they're everywhere. I don't pawn know. shops in general. That's they where I go. Literally for VHS. Yeah. Pawn America, three dollar Blu-rays, four dollar Blu-rays. Yeah. I do that so much. Yeah. I went and bought seven Blu-rays Sunday after after church. I went and picked up like seven Blu-rays from Pawn America. That's the best um, place to do it. Pawn shops, yo. Yeah. I think probably only like I would say ten percent of the movies up there I bought brand new. Rest. Just I mm-hmm. bought at pawn shops, which is bad. <laughs> I mean, I I love physical media, but when it gets to this point, it's like you're mm-hmm. I start getting scared. Yeah, <laughs> some stuff it's you know I wouldn't mind owning just a digital copy, but I don't really have a format to store it yet. Come on, you don't you don't want a copy of Marley and Me and the Puppy Years? You don't want to own that? Come on, <laughs> not even on That's DVD. That's the best. Not <laughs> even on DVD. <laughs> but. So yeah, so we're going to jump into the top 10 and officially here. Um, we're going to start off with five honorable mentions. So Justin, tell me five honorable mentions that didn't make it into your top 10, but they're still hovering above the top 10. So maybe they're in your top 15 or top 20. Um, yeah. This was five movies that, um, I don't know, I like them all so much, but I don't know if they quite make a top 10, but hey, you know, other times of the year, maybe they do. Um kind of five movies so one of them's waking sleeping beauty a lot of people don't know about this documentary film uh made by disney it's about disney it's about the disney renaissance it's about about as um out there not in style but out there with their information and uh detailed as disney will ever get about their own studio and about the egos and about the inside dealings it's pretty awesome and i've rewatched it I don't know, probably 10 times. I was going to say hundreds, but literally it's one of those movies that if I'm tired and I need to go to bed, I'll start watching it because it's that good. It's just an enjoyable documentary because I love Disney. Christmas Vacation, my favorite of the vacation movies. Uh, watch it every year. This past year they had it in the theater, which is awesome. They should do that every year. Mm. So love it. In Canal Park? Uh, no, actually they had it um, in the Lakes 10. Really? Yeah, so uh, it was cool getting to see that, and of course, <laughs> later towards Christmas, I watched it again at home. It's yeah. seriously just, it's a movie that reminds me of my own family, it's just, <laughs> I love Chevy Chase, and how yeah. he can be so like, oh, the nice sweet dad just trying to have a nice Christmas, but he's also kind of just a scummy, perverted guy at times. He's, yeah. He is amazing. And yeah. Randy Quaid, of course, his cousin Eddie, I mean, you, I love it. Um, Ocean's Eleven, my favorite heist movie. I like the style. It's like the last of the cool movies that we got in terms of like that 60s cool wearing the suits cool guys kind of movie. It is like the last one. It was kind of almost a a, a tribute to those kind of movies. It was in that it was even a remake of Ocean's Eleven from the 60s, which was that kind of movie. Hmm. And uh, love the style, love the editing, love the weird kind of shots and angles you'll get at times. Sometimes you'll just have a really good close-up sometimes it'll be from a far distance like it's a documentary it is great and that's uh steven soderbergh he is a great director he's done a number of uh different movies like that uh raiders of the lost ark my favorite steven spielberg film Mm. it's a movie that he said he had no trouble making because he had every single thing planned as far as like he storyboarded the entire movie had every shot detail planned and when you watch it yeah, you definitely mm-hmm. feel that. Even during that scene for... Uh, there is one scene I heard that they didn't have planned, and that was the one with the ghosts showing up at the end mm. where they open up the 
the arc. It didn't have planned for what would Apparently, be. they didn't know what was going to be coming out of there, so I think they just told Harrison Ford. They had the Ford. actual arc there, and they're like, they, we're well, going to open did, this and thing. They had Harrison Ford. <laughs> Everyone and, beware. Um, they had Harrison Ford and Marion, like, tied to... <laughs> the uh pole and basically like ah just close your eyes and y'all don't look at it so a lot of that's improvised but then later they were like oh it's gonna be ghosts basically (laughs) i i've heard that who knows if that's true hey dude can you just melt your face (laughs) (laughs) we're not sure what's gonna come out of this box but it'd be cool if you melt your face for us you know i just saw a video of someone they shared it and they said in raiders of the lost ark there's a scene where um the guy in the coat and i wish i knew his name I should know the names of people I love. I mean, mm-hmm. of a movie I love. But there's the main guy and the guy in the black hat who talks like, eh, we, we are not thirsty. That guy, you know, yeah. that weird guy. There's a scene in that movie where that actor couldn't be there that day because he got sick. So in the car, all they did was they like took a mannequin and they put a black hat and a black coat over him and they put him in the car for a shot to make it seem like he's there. But once you see it in the movie... It's so out there that you're like, that looks terrible. But you've, n- I've never noticed it before. Really, I just saw it on Twitter recently. I'll, I'll, we'll share it on the podcast page if I remember. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna write that down. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's hilarious. That's the one part of it where I'm like, eh, dang. But yeah, a really goofy '80s, you know, cheese to it, but also just a grand adventure. Oh, really yeah. great. Stuff. I mean, you know, that's I got a poster. That's in my top ten. Yeah. Uh, and then the Cornetto trilogy, which isn't really a trilogy. It's three movies, but every time I watch one of them, I have to watch the others. That would be Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, the Edgar Wright films, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Each of them have the, almost the same kind of style to them. They're all amazing films in mm-hmm. their own right. And uh, But of course, you know, is it really a trilogy? No, it's not at all. It They have nothing to do with one another in mm-hmm. story. But I just learned that this past year. Someone, I was looking at a page where someone was ranking trilogies. And that was, a, I'm like, I've never heard of this Cornetto trilogy. But I knew Edgar Wright had these three movies. And I'm like, what, that's, they call this a trilogy. And I knew it, like, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. But I've only seen Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. I haven't seen um, End of the World yet, but... Um, at least by those two are incredible and I cannot wait to watch the end of the world. The, the world's end? Well, that's what I called it. Then last week you corrected me and said, no, it's the end of the world. And so the now I'm all mixed up. <laughs> the world's end. Pirates of the Caribbean. I, and the beyond, yeah, that's the thing. I <laughs> Dead, try, of, it, Dead it, of the Shaw. If you ever look up on Google, look for images of at world's <laughs> end. They always show stuff for the world's end, so it always mm-hmm. confuses. You gotta put pirates, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Love the world's end. That's probably actually my favorite of the three, which might surprise people because I think most people love Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. To mm-hmm. me, the world's end just takes me to a personal level. Honestly, love that movie. <laughs> I real, I don't know. It's like I almost relate a little too much to that movie. So mm-hmm. it's like really great flick. Do you relate to like a specific character or just? Oh yeah, the main one, the king. Um, which I don't. I haven't seen this yet, so be careful. Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything past that. What? Ah, oh, shoot. <clears throat> Gary King, that's his full name. Yeah. Okay. Like the. So well, I was trying a, to think. So there's he, a king in he, this. Well, he always calls himself the king, and I was like, yeah. that's his first name?" But Gary, okay, king. Gary king, I I relate to him. Not on the, and I know what people who have seen it are probably thinking I relate to, but not not that. Mm-hmm. I I'm talking about just in character and like in personality and in resolution. I'm like I I feel like I relate to him at times, mm-hmm. but yeah. 
Uh, that's my top. That's like five honorable mentions. Okay. Yeah. Don't have much cool. left to say. Awesome. Well, we're gonna jump into your top ten. So we're gonna start with the tenth one, and then we're gonna work in ascending order or descending order. Technically, mm-hmm. we're gonna work our way to one. Save the best for last. Yeah. So basically, feel free to really tell everything your whole experience with this movie not just like if you remember the first time seeing it talk about it if if like you remember your um you know like uh how many times you've seen it your specific instances watching it like what stood out to you the most and stuff like really just tell us completely like exactly why you love this movie as in depth as you want to and you can open that if you want (laughs) sorry Loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm up for the challenge. Nice. So what's your top ten movie? All right. Well, number ten would be The Goonies, 1985, Richard Donner film. Uh, great movie. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with where I lived and the people I grew up with, and you would know that, and mm-hmm. that's just the kind of those kids remind me of me, but I'm sure everybody kind of relates to those kids. Mm-hmm. It's impossible not to relate to them. They, in fact, it's they're stereotypes. That's all they yeah. are. But everyone had a data in their life. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I, maybe Except we didn't for have us. that. <laughs> we didn't. We were very white town. Uh, yeah. But we, uh, if anything, you were our data. I would think. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I, our data. I, I am as. I, I guess I was the substitute Asian for yeah. the group. <laughs> no, I uh, either me or Chris was chunk. I think that's terrible. <laughs> Not because we were obese, but because we just were the belly shakers, you know. Yeah, of sorts. We all attempted the truffle shuffle. Who yeah. didn't? Yeah. But like, it's one of those movies that yeah, I think it's a perfect example of taking stereotypes and making them interesting characters. Because I don't think the term stereotype is necessarily a bad term. Offensive stereotype is, but stereotypes are just there where you can build a character around them. I think they, that movie does it brilliant. It's a movie where the story was by uh, Steven Spielberg. He came up with the story. Mm. It was then written by Christopher Columbus, then directed by Richard Donner. So those right. are three that great like filmmakers. A, a holy trio. Yeah, right? <laughs> like and that like is a trinity great, of film. Yeah, so 80s. that's another reason to love it. But I didn't I, know Steel, Spielberg came up with the idea for yeah, it. Yeah, he did. And, uh, did he just storyboard it and you just didn't write he it? Didn't, like, he the... literally just came up with the story and then basically you know, said it to uh, his crew at Amblin. Yeah. They went ahead and they hired someone to write it out, mm-hmm. and that was Chris Columbus. Uh, I think that was one of his first movies. I think he did Gremlins yeah. the years be- uh, the year before. It's like he's just like, let's do E.T. meets Indiana Jones. <laughs> and then the <laughs> well, that's born. what it basically is in a lot yeah. of ways. You know, a couple of years ago, we got movies like Spy Kids and Agent Cody Banks, which were about kids being spies. Like, kids love watching mm-hmm. movies where they can be, you know, where they see themselves in the adventure. That's what The Goonies is yeah. all about. They're yeah. kids who go on their own adventure. And I love the idea of just, you know, you go into your attic and you find a map and suddenly oh, yeah. you're just it's on this so adventure good. and yeah. you run into these really goofy villains and the villains are great. You got that one just really hardcore Italian guy who gets broken mm-hmm. out of prison. You got, of course, the the mother who is just terrifying. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, she's hilarious, but she's terrifying yeah. in the role. You got Sloth who, I mean... I, I, I don't know what people would think of him today, but I don't think, I don't find that whole thing offensive. I think he's just, 
you know, he's a disfigured guy, and he ends up becoming the hero in the end. And he's loved by the kids. Exactly. It shows you the childlike, childlike love, and like, there's, you know, no real, you know, they obviously don't treat him as bad as the Fratellis do. Mm, exactly. <laughs> and Trunk invites him home, even though his parents did yeah. not approve. <laughs> it's so wild. It's, it would never fly here. And there's a number oh, of, I saw the movie in theaters. Just this past year. In fact, I saw it twice in the same day. I was nuts. I I wonder if we were at one of the same screenings. We probably were. Park. I would be amazed if we didn't. But yeah, it was. Uh, there's a specific scene in that movie where they're like they're all looking at the map. It's all four of their heads. That is a great shot in that movie where yeah. they're like lowering that map. But man, it looked great on the big screen. And mm-hmm. having seen it so many times before, I don't even know the first time I seen it. It's one of those movies where it was always on tv it was always on so i always saw parts of it but it was only until later where i finally saw the whole movie in chronological form yeah i just i don't know i love it i just love every second of that movie Mm -hmm. it is just a great adventure and that that ending i mean it's not even supposed to be i think a sad ending or like not sad it's or a heartwarming ending Mm -hmm. but it really tugs at my heartstrings there's something about it where i'm just like that is great yeah i think it's a really weird and wild with like the the whole parents part of it especially at the end is really weird and convoluted and like (laughs) especially if you watch the deleted scenes where they go more in depth with like the people who are like forcing them off their property i know they i'm glad they cut that all out because it's like it gets a little too oh but they cut out the octopus scene yeah (laughs) i was hoping would be in the theater yeah that would be great to add that back because they even reference it to their parents "Ah, there was an octopus like no there wasn't (laughs) it'd be so weird because that's not really i don't think there's octopuses there's there's also not pirates multiple octopus or or people that look like sloth give me a break i don't don't think they're up you know, in like the Seattle area of the American. <laughs> I forgot that's in know, Seattle. I'd North, love to go Northwest. there and see the whole. You know, that house yeah. is still there. I'd mm-hmm. love to go there. And that's the what, pers- that's on my to do list. The person me. who owns it, she's actually really nice. If she still owns it, she was really mm-hmm. nice about it. She's like, yeah, people come all the time. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but I just say take a pictures from a distance. Isn't it's fine. Is there an actual place in like in Washington, Oregon called Astoria? I, I'm trying to think. I think it is Astoria County. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the town is, and I don't know what the movie really calls it, but yeah, it's either Astoria or Astoria County. Yeah, but I think the name is real. Yeah, I I actually remember the first time I saw it. I was, I don't know, less than ten years old, but I remember my mom talking about it, and I remember seeing like pictures of it and being like, "I want to watch this movie." And then she found it, and we had like Dish DVR, and she recorded it one day and said, "Hey, it's it's upstairs on the upstairs TV." And I remember sitting on like the edge of her bed watching on like this little tiny tube tv way across the room and just thinking it was the coolest thing ever because it's like that that coming of age movie like at the time i was watching sandlot you know and and that's like you know i didn't see et a ton when i was a kid but it was still in that era and like uh have you ever seen explorers i haven't but i've heard so much about it and i really want to see it's it. so it's weird it's very much the goonies meets back to the future kind of like like in theme you know and like like uh uh, Flight of the Navigator. It's like oh, River Phoenix. Yeah. It's River Phoenix and uh, Ethan Hawke, and like some other kid who I don't know who he is. On, on, I think that's the only. And the other two I, aren't famous. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's just like it's that that same style of eighties. You know, Stand by Me, 
you know it's oh such yeah that's a the thing quality, there was you know? so many of these movies in the 80s but i just think this is the best of them they did it so well back then. and maybe it was you the know? fact that's the first one i really saw but it's like mm-hmm. it's just it holds up so well. yeah. i i love the fact that there's a rumor out there that the mm-hmm. guy who played sloth actually looked like that because people have i've heard yeah. people tell me that they're like he was a real guy like yeah. he's around i'm like no it's <laughs> not him you can tell that was a mask <laughs> I That's heard that he's great. just a huge like. I thought it was like, yeah, a it was like he's like some wrestler or something. I see but... clickbait about it all the time, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's good. I freaking love the Goonies. That's. I don't know if that's in my top ten. It was, and I think I I moved it out the last time I revised. My and list, yeah, that's but... the thing. This is bottom ten, so it's like very possibly could get bumped out. But I think it's just because it's got such a great rewatch value, yeah, and it literally so proved it by the fact that I went and saw it twice in one day. Because I'm like, yeah. why not? It was five bucks. You're never gonna have it. I mean, you might not get a chance to see it in a theater. I mean, again, exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, I saw the ticket stub from when I went. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, I I do too. I have a ton of ticket stubs. That, that's a whole different... I'll yeah. show you later. But <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I maybe we'll... have like 50, but not like... Only for the past couple of years. I've started yeah. collecting them, so... Cool. Well, let's go to number nine. What's number nine? Number nine is the 1986 classic, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, directed by John Hughes. Um, love John Hughes. As I call his holy trinity, which was... 16 Candles in 84, Breakfast Club in 85, and Ferris Bueller in 86. But I think Ferris Bueller is the best of all of them. Uh, One thing I'll say about this is there's a theory out there, film theory, that there's um, kind of a... Well, I'm not going to say which movie it's similar to, but because it'll spoil it. But (laughs) basically, Ferris Bueller is um, the fake embodiment of what Cameron wants to be. I've heard that um, theory about the movie, that Cameron created Ferris in his head and that Ferris isn't real and that Ferris is everything Cameron wants to be but just can't be because he's Cameron. I've heard that theory about it. I don't know if you have. I haven't. But that is a weird theory and I'm like, I kind of loved it. That's not why I love the movie, but I think there's something to that. (laughs) Ferris... And Cameron are similar characters, but they also just have different personalities and they have different traits. And a lot of it is like Cameron looking up to Ferris and thinking, why can't I be that? Mm -hmm. But Ferris also trying to help Cameron and be like, well, why can't you just do this? There's a, I think there is a whole like tension to that because it is a coming of age kind of story. Yeah. But just really weirdly done because Ferris Bueller, he's kind of a slacker. He's kind of, uh, he's also a bit of a trickster. You also realize that if he really just puts his mind to anything, he can just do it. But he does it by, you know, making um, dance numbers in the street or using the computer to manipulate the absences that he's had. Like, Mm -hmm. but I love it. And it's another one of those movies that I think it just reminds me of uh, like of a time and place that I never really was in. But also reminds me of my own, you know, time being in school and such. And but it, at the end of the day, it's just a feel-good movie. There's mm-hmm. something about it that I watch, and I'm like, every second I love of this movie. I like the little mm-hmm. references here and there. I like the story structure. I like that it's basically a showcase of Chicago, because mm-hmm. Chicago's great. And I have said for years that I would love to make a movie just like Ferris Bueller, except do it in Duluth or Minneapolis, where you just <laughs> showcase the town. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's something great about that. John Hughes basically wrote that movie and said, I love Chicago. Yeah. And... I mean, it's great. It really is yeah. just, it's just a love letter to his city, and it's a love letter to, I don't know, to, to people of that age. 
You know, and I mean, Breakfast Club was the same way, but mm-hmm. I do love Breakfast Club, but Ferris Bueller is just more enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you got anything to say about it. You've seen I, it, right? Yeah, I've only ever seen it one time. It was it was two years ago, I think. Oh, um, and I, I was thinking, like, it's one of those movies that I could not track down for the life of me. I could not find it anywhere to watch. And then finally, um, I just saw it in, like, the $5 bin at Walmart and brought home and watched it. And uh, I really liked it a lot. I definitely, like, didn't get as stoked I didn't, you know, after like knowing it was it was hyped up for me. Yeah. I wasn't like this isn't Back to the Future, you know, and this wasn't. Uh, um, I just got a Snapchat from Rachel Barrett of all people. I did too. Just now. <laughs> wow. I I wonder yeah. what she's messaging. You us just about. got referenced on uh, <laughs> the Cinema Swamp, <laughs> Rachel. Um, anyway, um, uh, yeah, I didn't, you know, it wasn't back to the future for me you know and it wasn't i guess it wasn't even like the breakfast club it was still super good and interesting it just wasn't the uh i didn't quite get on the hype train for it i didn't i didn't feel as but i still liked it a lot i really liked the you know and like you said i guess i can kind of see it now it has like almost like that youth and revolt type of you know isn't or isn't it you know like a, you know i guess i don't want to spoil (laughs) <laughs> which i just did but, oh, we're gonna um, i'm gonna bleep that out i'm sorry but like i literally have to yeah bleep it out <laughs> okay uh but yeah so i i do like it a lot um it just for me i like i said i watched it once and i haven't revisited it yet and uh but i do um appreciate it for what it is i would like to see it again um but yeah, I, I think you should watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it I was very I John Hughes. It was very John Hughes. I loved, like you said, it's a love letter to the city. I totally saw that when I was watching it. I'm like, this is, but it just it was so obscure. Like, you know, Charlie Sheen shows up. And like, <laughs> oh, that's amazing! You know? And like, I, I loved that because he like just doesn't say anything. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Why are you in here for? Drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did but you do, so do you do you watch the Goldbergs? Um. I did for a little bit. Um, usually, just whenever like uh, my ex girlfriend had it on, I'd watch it. But I'll say it, number one, you gotta watch the Goldbergs because I didn't watch it until way later in the game. I'm watching mm-hmm. it now, and it is totally up your alley. We both love '80s movies. The mm-hmm. show is basic. All it is really is, hey, '80s movies. Here they are, but it's it's yeah. got some great characters. Yeah, I but, love that about it. I saw like the the Goonies episode was oh my god amazing. yeah I was gonna was I didn't so mention cool. that during the Goonies yeah. thing they do a whole Goonies episode yeah. and it's the best tribute yeah. to the Goonies I've ever seen but he finds an Asian friend he's like in your data and he's like why am I data really I got he's like I don't know I just kind of felt is it because I'm Asian no no why don't you be data because I'm Mikey <laughs> my favorite scene that whole episode is like when they finally go outside and they start playing that Goonies song and they're getting yeah. on the bikes like they're yeah. gonna travel far and they only go across the street and <laughs> yeah. it stops Oh, I was going to say, this is so off track, but speaking of the whole data, and oh, you got to be data because you're Asian, <laughs> but um, you saw Stranger Things season two, right? Yep. And how, like, the one kid, <laughs> they were like, oh, well, you got to be Winston because he's black, and he's like, I ain't going to be Winston, and he ends up being Bankman, and he totally <laughs> yeah. changes it up, and I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> but I was yeah. just thinking of that, because I was like, that that's the only time I've ever seen that, where they actually twist it on its head, and they're like, no, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like Stranger Things. 
But very uh, much the Goonies. Uh, we should talk about Stranger Things. Oh, uh, if they do a season three this year, we should talk about Stranger Things. Man, I love that show. We but. could. It's a little strange. A little, I have kind of a general. I don't know if I told you this. I oh like yeah, a, we're not gonna do TV. I have a general rule personally <laughs> where I, I'm kind of like phasing out of all TV on purpose. I just am at a place where I'd rather just only read books or watch movies. Mm. I, you know, I, I watch the Marvel and Netflix stuff, and I'll watch Stranger Things, but. I'm not getting into anything, any new TV shows. Yeah, TV's hard to get into too many episodes. We, we're going to have to do a TV swamp eventually, though. <laughs> TV swamp? We'll have to, come on. I mean, I think eight episodes of Stranger <laughs> Things, I consider that, I watch them all one day. <laughs> you can, yeah. Okay. I think it, imagine a movie, though, based off of Stranger Things. The, imagine the talent and the, the, just the creative, you know, cinema, cinema, minded person to that could turn an eight hour you know or an eight episode narrative into a a two and a half hour narrative called stranger things yeah. you know the to make it a good 80s style movie would take greater effort greater maybe a greater budget definitely for promotion and stuff but it's just kind of you know tv will always be inferior to movies that's what know? i think yeah. and and so it's like whoever I can't remember who's in charge of making Stranger Things someone told me it was the uh, like the Coen brothers or something were the oh. ones who did originally right before I watched it and then obviously it wasn't but um, Duffer brothers you know it, it, if someone out there was hardcore enough they could have made it into an amazing movie that's true and I agree not saying it's lazy to do it with an 8 episode TV show but think of how cooler it would be if, if it, it was, was a movie. movie. Well, you could yeah. edit it. It'd be a fun editing project to anyone out there. Seriously, like, trying to make it It'd be a two-hour trailer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but. On we go. Ready to go to eight? Yeah. Cool. Hit us up with the eight. Um, that would be the 2010, not classic, actually. I don't know if this is that popular, but <laughs> the film titled Kick-Ass by Matthew Vaughn. I, uh, this was a movie that I saw... I think it was on Netflix right after it was released and I saw it just on a whim. It's one of those movies that the opening scene, if you laugh at it, it has you right away. And that's what it was like for me. I love that movie for the style. It's the colors. Matthew Vaughn is one of those directors currently who I think is still underappreciated. He ended up doing Kingsman. Kingsman 2, which I didn't like as much, but you know, mm-hmm. he still was, I think, great, talented mm-hmm. director and I haven't seen any of his other work. I, I didn't ever see Stardust, but he also did X-Men First Class, which is mm-hmm. one of the best X-Men movies. Yeah. He's just very unique director. Favorites. And Kick-Ass is out there with its humor, with its characters, with the colors and mm-hmm. the blood. I mean, it's it's the kind of movie where the gore is beautiful, if that makes any yeah. sense. It's uh, the only movie that has taken advantage of Christopher Mintz-Plasse's talent because everyone always makes him the joke by just saying, oh, you're McLovin. But that movie mm-hmm. said, no, you're more than that. And they took advantage of him, and they made him something great. Mm-hmm. And I love that that... In a good way, took advantage Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think way. he's great in that. Yeah. And then Kick-Ass 2 came along, and I think it kind of ruined the whole thing. But I don't yeah. mind Kick-Ass 2, actually, if we'll be I, right I just away. watched it a couple months ago, and I was like, yeah, it's not the first it's, one. It was a letdown when I saw it, but after rewatching it, I'm like, you know, there is stuff to like here. But mm-hmm. he was part of it that that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I didn't like what they did with him. But 
what I love about Kick-Ass is that the entire movie is just a big misunderstanding. That's what the whole <laughs> premise of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Everything happens for basically no reason because it's and it's a it's dealing with people's personal emotions mm-hmm. and I just love that. And because it's done in a subtle way, you think watching it you're like this is just really gory action with lots of f-bombs and a girl yelling the word pussy just that's what the Mm -hmm. movie is she's 10 years old and she's yelling the Mm f-word but the movie is more than that because really it's like if you you read into what nick cage is doing which i think Mm -hmm. nick cage is great in oh yeah it's probably his best role (laughs) the way he's working with uh chloe grace moretz who also i think that's her best movie still and aaron taylor johnson who i mean maybe people would argue that well, why would he just buy a suit and just want to be a superhero? Why would he just go out there and do that? To be honest, because he's <laughs> at, that, at that age, I'm like, I would have done the yeah, same thing. I'm mad I'm like, at myself cool. that I didn't do that. <laughs> he, I mean, I'm sorry, but that he just made it realistic. But I also love that as the movie goes along, you're like, this is just a big misunderstanding. But that movie mm-hmm. at the time did things I had never seen in a superhero movie. The mm-hmm. way he kind of teams up with basically the bad guy. Mm-hmm. The way that... You know, he's getting chased down, but it's kind of done for a publicity stunt rather than the fact that he's actually the guy they're going after. It's just, you will never see anything like that. But the sad Mm -hmm. part is, there's been so many superhero movies since then that it kind of maybe isn't, won't resonate in the same way. Mm -hmm. In the age of where Deadpool exists and movies like Lego Batman exists and Captain Underpants, like movies that make jokes about superhero movies, but also really good, unique superhero movies Mm -hmm. like Logan and Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe it doesn't stand out as much anymore, but to me, it's still amazing. And I think it's it's Matthew Vaughn's best film. It's... Mm I love it every time. I'd love to rewatch it again. Yeah, yeah it's. Just, I've only seen it the one time. I've seen it, it many I mean, like, times. And yeah, did you read the comic at all? I never have, and I've been meaning to. Yeah, I've been and, meaning to buy it, but I I flipped through it at Barnes and Noble, and it looks pretty sweet. It looks very like having seen the movie. The comic looks like it's the movie would have followed it pretty dang closely. Yeah, that's know? what it seems like. <clears throat> I, uh, I'll i also say, I mean, if you want to know how much I love this, that was the first Blu-ray, I think. One of the first Blu-rays I ever owned, back when the collection was down to like 10. That was really? one of the first I owned, and I, yeah. I abused that disc. I love that cool. movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's not that old of a movie, so I don't think it resonates with the crowd so much. And sadly, it's part of an age where there's so many of them, I think it's going to get lost in the mess, but... Yep. I still, it's, I think it's unique still. I think it's got a really great message to it. The message is just do the right thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Just go out there and make the change happen yourself. And along the way, I just love, I don't know, it's like the main villain of that m- movie, which is, oh, what's his name exactly? Uh, Mark Strong, who's the villain of that movie. Mm-hmm. He's also in Kingsman and plays one of the heroes, so that's great. It's a great to see him do both, but mm-hmm. he's the villain of that movie, and he's just great because he's just... He's going nuts because for the first time in forever, everything is going wrong, and he's just... it's mm-hmm. a, He's great in that movie. He should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He's, <laughs> that, he's honestly ass. that good in that movie, it's honestly. Funny. But yeah, I, I, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I like, I like Kick-Ass. What do you think about uh, how what you just said his name the main who's what's his Aaron Taylor Johnson yeah how, how do you like him now as you know Quicksilver he, and as 
you know, Godzilla. And you know, I haven't seen that Godzilla film. The, the 2014 Godzilla? I've been meaning to, and I'm going to Ooh. before that new one comes out, because I just saw the trailer yeah. for Godzilla King. Have you seen it? Oh, what? you don't watch the trailers? Watch trailers no. Amazing. Watch it after the movie comes out, because it's <laughs> one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Yeah. But uh, I've been meaning to watch it. Aaron Taylor Johnson, when he was in Avengers Age of Ultron, I honestly didn't like him that much. But really? I think that's mostly because of the Russian accent crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't know it was him when I watched it. Uh, yeah, he's pretty un recognizable i know he's he done some all, other work since then he got all thick <laughs> i mean i wouldn't say i'm an aaron taylor johnson fan is the thing but i like mm. him in kick-ass because i don't know how he did that because i don't think he actually <clears throat> talks that way and everything or is uh has that kind of voice but it just works well in that movie well in uh godzilla he's like he's freaking swole like he is like insane like he's like like Tom Hardy big yeah, like in Godzilla he's Aaron Taylor Johnson yeah <laughs> oh I can't God. remember but I feel like he had like a Boston accent in Godzilla or something but I can't remember yo Godzilla I have it on DVD if you want to borrow it but yo, it's not Blu-ray Godzilla but. is just coming into our place and he's just wrecking everything oh, we can't let that happen it sounds like a South um, South African accent oh, <laughs> get out of my house <laughs> Get out of my country. Okay, this is bad. Uh, no, I, I I can't do a Boston accent, I guess. I own Godzilla. Yeah. What am I talking about? You know, you own it? See all those Godzilla movies up there? Yeah. Haven't seen any of them. I've been... See, since <laughs> I've been coming in and seeing them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would kill to watch them. Because I've been trying to track them down. I, those are only the... Uh, that's Godzilla. That's King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. And then all the uh, 90s Tokyo Godzilla yep. movies. And I bought those on a whim... Basically, because a lot of them kept popping up at mm-hmm. uh, Fye for five bucks, so I bought them. I have the '98 Godzilla and I have the new one. Been meaning to watch them all, and I haven't mm-hmm. gotten to it, and I have to get to it. And I will try to watch them all before the new one comes out, because that's my goal. I, I mean, I have a couple on VHS yeah. too. I don't know which ones. I, I've seen like here, like off and on, but I can't remember which is which. I've seen, but I've been meaning to watch them before the next one comes out. Cause I, I know it's supposed to feature Mothra and. Um, uh, King Ghidorah. Yep. Yeah, Rodan. I, I know. Why do I, I know so much about Godzilla yet? Have never seen, seen them. They're good. It's bad. Dude. They're so. Fun. Well, I've been meaning to it. I think it's just a matter of uh, other movies getting away. But I, I'm yeah. gonna start, especially since that new one's coming out. We should try to watch them all and then do a big podcast talking about Godzilla dude, because there's lots to. to talk about with that. I would love but anyway, to. less about Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, let's do. Uh, well, I got right down the spoilers so far. We talked about Godzilla. Godzilla Every Godzilla movie. <laughs> um, Age of Ultron. <laughs> Alright, cool. So what's uh, right now we're on, what, 7? Yeah. What is it? It is the 2004 animated flick, The Incredibles, directed by Brad Bird. And I will say about that movie is it is perfect. It is a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. It has amazing visuals. It has amazing action. It has amazing characters. It has amazing music. The music is unbelievable. It's one of my favorite scores of all mm-hmm. time. It's Brad Bird's favorite movie. I mean, my favorite. My favorite Brad Bird movie. It might yeah. be his favorite movie. I love every second of that movie. And I think the thing I really like about it most is just... I don't know, it's just, I think it's another one of those cases where I just had never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. 
And then, I mean, once again, that's another superhero movie on the list. I'm, I'm sorry about that. There's going to be another superhero movie on the list, but, you know, I will say it's my favorite genre. It just mm-hmm. is. I can't yeah. help it. Yeah. And it's, it's very common in the day and age. <laughs> I mean, it it's is. probably my favorite I hate genre to be movie. generic, but, I mean, granted, these are some older ones. Uh, the Incredibles, I, it's a family movie, too, and I think it's just unique in the fact that it's not really about The Incredibles, but it's about Mr. Incredible himself, and it's him going through midlife crisis and he gets a chance to go back to the glory days i think also that's a unique mm-hmm. message there about you know there's those people in their midlife crises <laughs> as they say uh mm-hmm. who just are aiming for what's in the past rather than going into the future but mm-hmm. i like that this movie says there is a way to do both you can still continue what you used to love but now that you have a family and such or other commitments in life, there's mm-hmm. still a way to even include them. And that's what I think the bigger mm-hmm. message to that whole movie is. Well, it was like kind of an accident. Like they, you know, yeah. like even well, Helen didn't too. know that she was there on the plane. <laughs> they <laughs> didn't know they were going to be doing it, but that's yeah. basically what happened. And everyone loved but it. But then they included and them once they're there. They're like, yeah, use your powers. It's a movie with, ah, oh, the character designs are unbelievable. Yeah. Every single one of them. I mean, down to the characters you wouldn't even think yeah. are important. Mr. Dicker has a great yeah. look to him. Uh, Bomb Voyage, who only shows up mm-hmm. in one scene. Who That is an amazing name for a character. Yeah. Uh, I Bomb love, Voyage. Yeah, oh, Mr. Quail. <laughs> <laughs> Fly home, buddy. I work alone. Okay, funny yeah, story. It's ridiculous. I, uh, when I was doing my senior quote for the yearbook, I was going to put fly home buddy i work alone yeah. and that, but my mom got so ticked she's like what does that mean i'm like sorry <laughs> but uh i also love uh oh even his like boss who just shows up in that one scene and gets yeah. p- punched through yeah. all those like a little person love him in that yeah. scene that's uh wallace sean playing him that is yeah. great uh and honestly oh, yeah because he's oh, my so good. favorite villain like almost probably of all time Probably better than the Joker. Like, I'm serious. This is my favorite villain. Mm-hmm. I love Syndrome yeah. so much. Because he has, I think, the highest death toll of any character in history. He literally killed almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Every single superhero. And in the end, he still got he's still got a smile on his face. And he thinks he's doing the right thing. Because he was done wrong once. And I think... People like that exist so bad and in such a bad way. Mm-hmm. And that's played by Jason Lee. And you would, I mean, once you know who Jason Lee is, you're like, oh, that's Jason Lee. But I can't believe he's been in almost no other animated Wait, movies. Who's Jason Lee? Jason Lee, uh, he was in My Name is Earl. He played Earl. He also oh, is in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get mixed voice. up with TJ Miller's voice all the time. <laughs> he's in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Last Chip time Mons. I watched it, I thought it was TJ Miller. My yeah, mind. I mean, that's so, before TJ Miller's time and all. Yeah, but like, it was way before his time. Well, Cloverfield was out around that. Uh, yeah, four years later. 2006 yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I just, I could go on and on mm-hmm. for just different aspects about it, but I love it and sequel came out and didn't love it as much but i mean how yeah. are you going to top that I, I was hoping they would but yeah it was not even close <laughs> yeah I'll agree well you're right like i guess i thought about it as a perfect movie but i don't know why i haven't given it this serious thought and it now think about it it is a perfect movie it's it up is there. i i mean and it's one of those movies that i think everybody has seen and everybody likes and i think that's why people were asking for a sequel for years but mm-hmm. i don't think anybody really gets to the point like i when I made the top 10 list a couple of years ago, I didn't really highly think of that movie until later, but I realized, I'm like, I watched that movie a lot. And not only mm-hmm. that, 
But rewatching it, I realized that there's nothing wrong with this movie. Like, it's so good. (laughs) Never seen anything like it at the time. And I mean, yeah, there's been other movies since. But of course, a lot of them are taking the beats and the strengths from The Incredibles and just using them for Mm -hmm. themselves, which is fine. But The Incredibles did it first. Yeah. And I also, I mean, I love the style of it too. It's basically like, um, it kind of looks like, I mean, it has a lot of references to um the 60s and the 50s kind of it's got it's almost like a futuristic 60s yeah and the science fiction movies were kind of played back then yeah even the superhero theme stuff a lot of references to science fiction films a lot of references to the james bond and other espionage agent films the the score of it is so james bond that's it's literally even in the trailer they literally use the music from um on her majesty's secret service and it's and when he hired Michael Giacchino, he said, just do that score, basically. Mm-hmm. And he did, but he made it better, even. And uh, he also... Uh, I, I, it's almost like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. I even said this in my like review for Incredibles 2. I'm like, it's kind of like... Because we get all the history of the characters, mm-hmm. but we're really... we're It's like we're getting the final chapter of all that. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens after everything you saw on Saturday morning cartoons? What happens next? Mm-hmm. So, the beginning of twenty minutes alone is a fantastic. You know, I have a a, a uh, term for movies that I personally either don't like or think that they're not as good, but people love them only for the first twenty minutes. I call it Up Syndrome because people say they love Up and I hate Up, and they, oh yeah, and I ask them, well, "What do you like about it?" And they say, "Well, that montage." I'm like, okay, what else do you like? And I'm like, well, I don't really know. Up syn- you call it up syndrome. Up syndrome. I love that. It's totally great. So any movie <laughs> that is completely overhyped because of 20 minutes in the movie. That's a lot of people say about Saving Private Ryan, which I oh love my the whole God, movie. That's true. But most people only refer to the first 20 minutes or the last 20 minutes. You know? It's a lot now that I think. Yeah. It's kind of like people almost I have a letterbox off. list for it, I think, of just movies <laughs> I call syndrome. Up Syndrome. Well, it's but true. this is one of them. I don't think it's overhyped because it is a great movie. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those movies where that first 20 minutes is what people talk is about. Like, it's like this weird like exploitation documentary, but it's so freaking good, too. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's as good as the rest of the movie. The, the rest of the movie lives up to it. Like It's not just, this is good and it's a crappy you know rest of the movie, so... Yeah, dang. We could start another list too, where people people who like these movies but they only know the one scene. Yeah, honey, where is my super suit? Yeah, that's all I saw on Twitter for the past God, two months. That, and then like I can think of other movies. I can think of one on this list: Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Bueller, Bueller, all yep. the time. Every time before yep. I saw that movie, it was always a teacher saying, hey, "Have you seen Ferris Bueller? <laughs> Bueller, yeah, Bueller. And I'm like, yeah. If you're a teacher and you're <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> Is it, just, is it just an hour and a half of a teacher yeah. seeing Bueller? We've all grown up. That was in the 80s. We have new jokes now. We're smarter than we were back then. We have uh, new teacher characters. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz? <laughs> yeah. Talk about a role model. <laughs> I can't even think of any teacher characters. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. Well, who's uh, the other the guy in it? Uh, uh, Jason... Seagal. Seagal, yeah. Jason Siegel. <laughs> also another, you know, Dewey Finn. That's the biggest <laughs> thing that they did wrong School in Rock. The Muppets 2011 is that they didn't, Jason Seagal's in that movie, but they didn't have a Muppet named Jason Siegel. <laughs> that was your They should have done that. that. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> we can move on. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. 
Um, yeah, uh, six. Six, the Tim Burton film. My favorite Tim Burton film. My favorite Johnny Depp film, Ed Wood, 1994. This is a movie that I actually entirely learned about this movie from online videos. So, you know, shout outs to Cinemassacre. I know they're listening. <laughs> but he talked about this movie a lot. Uh, Nostalgia Critic talked about this movie a lot. And this was, this was years ago. But I'm like, I got to see this movie because if they're both talking about it, it's got to be pretty good. And all I knew about it was that it's about the guy who made Plan 9 from Outer Space. I did know about that movie from a lot of, you know, movie research. Just hearing, oh, it's the worst movie of all time. And it's not. It's, it's I like it, actually. But he has made some pretty bad ones. Glenn or Glenn does really hard to watch. In fact, it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. But Ed Wood is basically about him. It's about how he got all these movies made. It's about his lifestyle. It's about the people he surrounded himself with. And it's totally Tim Burton. Uh, it's a, a Tim Burton film. He, uh, Tim Burton typically makes movies about outcasts and how they fit themselves into society. This is a very common known thing. So, you know, you, you watch Pee Wee Herman, uh, or, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. You watch Batman. You watch Edward Scissorhands. They're all movies about these characters who are outcast loners and, the ways they find themselves, they find a place in society. Ed mm -hmm. Wood is basically about that and how he took what he had and he made the best of it. As someone who has had a YouTube channel for years and who has had obviously very little budget but just a camera mm -hmm. and who said, screw it, I'm going to make it anyway, obviously I really look up to someone like Ed Wood. And that movie is very inspirational to me. But besides that, the performances are great. Johnny Depp is almost unrecognizable in the role. Uh, there's also a lot of other great characters. Bale Lugosi, who is portrayed by Martin Landau, is amazing. Uh, it's shot in black and white to fit in tone with the movies of the 50s that were all shot in black and white. It has uh, Bill Murray in one of his weirdest roles. And I love the music of it. It's Howard Shore. I no, it's not Howard Shore. It's uh, I'm trying to remember. I'll find out later. But <laughs> there's a great score to it. Because it's like the only movie that wasn't done by Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman did not score this Tim Burton movie for some reason. They were having a fight after Nightmare uh, Before Christmas. But I love the score. And uh, I just I like I just like the style of it. It's one of those movies I've seen a lot. And yeah, you've never seen it. Yep, never seen it. I think you ought to give it a watch. I saw my list. That's one of the only Tim Burton movies I haven't seen. And because I, I saw it and I, it looked like a documentary, I'm like, oh, that must be one of those like documentaries. <laughs> like, you know, that, like wasn't worth tracking down until you talked about it. Then I researched a little bit more because I was trying to find it to watch before this podcast. And uh, I was like, oh, so this is like an actual like movie. It's got I knew Giant Depp was in it, but I thought it was like he was like a feature. But he's like Ed Wood, so um, desperately I'm trying to find it. But well, I have yeah. it. I'll let you borrow it. I mean, really gotta watch it. But yeah, just it's a really it's a feel good movie. By the end, it's like it's it's one of those movies that even in failure you find success. I love that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great. I think that's a great moral. It's basically mm -hmm. a moral of just do what you love for the passion of it. I mean, it's like who cares what people say? I mean, I don't even know if I really mm -hmm. believe in that moral to a full extent, but. 
that movie just has such a strong passion for it. It really makes you believe that, that Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. And I'm like, that, I wish life was like that. And it sometimes is, like, honestly. So, inspirational. Cool. Yeah. All right, we're at the halfway mark for... Oh, my God. About half half time. Whew! This is... Think you can finish? Oh, all right. All right. Let me take a big swig. Big old Mm -hmm. swiggy swig. All right, I'm ready. All right. Entry number five. This is the Christopher Nolan film from 2008 that no one ever saw. It's titled The Dark Knight. I don't know why no one saw it. It's completely Sounds underrated. Kind of dumb. So, like, everyone else has been talking about Sounds this. Sounds like a stupid movie. Honestly, like, everybody constantly talks about Batman and Robin as being the best Batman film. And I say... Which it is. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Have you seen Dark Knight? <laughs> and I'm like, then Dark Knight Rises come out and everybody sees that. And I'm like, did you not see the Dark Knight? <laughs> I'm kidding. Do you think I'm kidding? <laughs> Obviously. It was one of the highest grossing movies at the time. And everybody watches it and everyone's like, I love the Joker. I love the Joker. love the Joker. And you know what? I love the Joker too. Mm-hmm. But that is not the Joker's movie. To me, it continues the story of Bruce Wayne just like the first one established. I love Bruce Wayne. I love Christian Bale's interpretation of Bruce Wayne. Always have. And as far as the voice goes, you can all screw up. I don't think his voice is that bad. But it's realistic. I, well, yeah, I, I mean, know. well, and honestly, it's weird if you watch Batman Begins, he doesn't do the gravelness so much, but in the second one, Dark Knight, he brings it he gets it more gravelly. I don't know why he did mm-hmm. that, but I still don't mind. I don't think it's as annoying as other people think. I think he's my fa- he's my favorite, you know, Batman. I think he's better than ba- uh, Ben Affleck. I think he's better than Michael Keaton. I know I might get killed for that but uh i i love michael keaton but i just think that this is the better batman i really like how they go into the whole psychology of batman the first one did that and then this one it's like his biggest challenge which Mm -hmm. not only is the joker but also trying to get gotham to a point where they can finally not need a batman and they found that in harvey dent i just made a whole video about this but basically Mm -hmm. it's like harvey dent is the equivalent Bruce Wayne he's someone who can be in the public eye and in the government who can do what Batman does except he's doing it by the people's vote and he's Mm -hmm. doing it he's finally making a change to Gotham and that whole movie there's so many twists and turns and it's always uh it's a it's a chase it's Mm -hmm. like one second the heroes are in front and you think they finally got it all figured out but the next second the villains are in front and by the end you think well what's going on here I mean everything's it's like this piece is going here but this piece is going there and it's like this constant tower and you're just waiting for it to finally tumble which it finally does at the end and that's when the joker finally says do i really look like a guy with a plan and you realize that's all these guys are doing and that's how life is Mm -hmm. we're just maniacs out there trying to make the best of the situation i mean maybe that's a weird moral to dig out of there but it's true that's what the uh, movie's about you know? It's about Batman, and I talked about how <clears throat> versus Harvey Dent, how Batman, despite the fact that he was going through the same thing Harvey Dent was going through, he still chose to do the right thing and be the hero. And maybe I'm boring in that way. I've never been a big fan of anti-heroes as much as I've been a fan of real heroes. Maybe that's because I want to see more heroes in real life, but I love that whole aspect of it. Obviously, you've seen the movie. Everyone mm-hmm. has seen it. And, I mean, what do you think? I love, love The Dark Knight. I, it's, I just moved it out of my top ten, but it was for years. 
pretty much since I saw I knew that was one of my favorite movies and um yeah I mean that was <clears throat> I think after I saw that one was no it was probably after Inception it was by the time I made the connection with Christopher Nolan and I became like dedicated to seeing every movie and um but that movie alone like I saw Batman Begins in theaters and um seeing The Dark Knight I didn't see in theaters but I remember borrowing it from Winston Lottie back mm. in the day and uh dang that was such a good movie and like really every part of it I freaking love I love you know Christian Bale I love Heath Ledger but I also love um Michael Caine I love Gary Oldman oh yeah um, everyone's I love yeah. uh what's his name is Harvey Dent uh, I always give him his, Aaron Eckhart yeah I always yeah. think his name is Joel Edgerton <laughs> but it's not Joel Edgerton anyone um, who looks like Joel Edgerton is Joel Edgerton yeah I uh, um, you know what I'll say about Aaron Eckhart really quick completely underrated unbelievable mm-hmm. that he was in the dark knight and i haven't really seen him in much since i know he was in like olympus has fallen but yeah. like it's very cheesy isn't it weird that he just kind of disappeared because mm-hmm. i was like no he was in he was an i frankenstein well i mean he's been in movies but like isn't it weird that like christian bale he's still got a career and like morgan mm-hmm. freeman and uh gary oldman all you know they're still yeah. doing stuff but... but they're all upper class like he well, he wasn't upper class before but and everybody not class now really either. talked about the Joker so much in that movie, and I get why Heath Ledger died, yeah. and it was his best performance of all time, one of the best performances ever. Yeah. But I'm like, Aaron Eckhart does some great work in there, and he yeah. has to work with some. He get he got some really good material in there, oh, yeah. and I think I'm like he is my like almost favorite part of that whole movie because, mm-hmm. I, like I said, he is the equivalent to Batman. Yep. Like, he goes the other way rather than what Batman did. I just love that. I love that there's, like, an equivalent. Yeah. And, like, what could have happened. And, I don't know, I mm-hmm. love that aspect of it. Yeah, I I freaking love it. I love, uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, I mean, I love every Joker scene. I love when Joker is uh, in the, like, that kitchen with the other mob bosses and, you know, he's talking to the TV and stuff. I, I love that. And then, um, but I even love, like... I love Michael Caine's little um, monologue about when he was like with this the uh, MI6 and he's like um, talking about like you know hunting down this this thief and you know some some people just want to see the world burn and stuff. A long time ago, I was in Burma and we were chasing down someone who had stolen precious stones. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do a better... Yeah, Michael Caine uh, accent. My name is Michael Caine. You gotta say Michael Caine. Yeah. Michael <laughs> I freaking love Michael Caine. He's awesome. Have you seen Children of Men? I have. I forgot he's in that, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He. Uh, he's also in uh, Jaws the Revenge. Really? <laughs> he is. He, uh, no. So, uh, have you seen Secondhand Lions? Oh, he's in, he's in that's him. I completely forgot I watched that's that. him. I watched that a few months ago, which is a good movie that stands up. Well, I forgot that's yeah, him. Like that's that is him. unbelievable. He has like this this Texan accent. I was like, gonna say because it's it's in America, so yeah. you can't have the accent, can you? No, no, no accent. I'll give credit to yeah. like British accent. I mean, British people do American accents way better than like yeah. like everyone's always giving crap to Benedict Cumberbatch because they're like oh I could totally read through his 
American accent. I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I think yeah. he's great. Like, yeah. but have you seen like, for instance, Dick Van Dyke try to do a British accent in Mary Poppins? You're like, yeah, that ain't no British guy. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. American people can't do it. Yeah. British people, they got talent. Yeah, man. I I love Dark Knight. Uh, I have a term for that. It's called uh, <laughs> you know, there's like, you know, the j- jump the shark. You've heard that, right? Mm-hmm. In reference to the episode where. Of happy days where Fonz jumps the shark. Well, I have a phrase for uh, the Dark Knight in particular called they flipped the semi, <laughs> which I, know I use that for like once they flipped the semi, I was like, all right, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. They did that all practically too, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like you can watch like the little B-roll footage Almost, I have of that. Yeah, everything in that movie. Oh, well, yeah, so much. Like, well, Christopher Nolan loves oh, to do practical man. and it's amazing even watching this today. Yeah. And even the stuff that they did do with CG is still really good. Mm-hmm. Harvey Dent's face, for instance, yeah, still looks good. Yeah, but what? And I don't want to lose train of thought, but didn't they like? Wasn't there like? I heard there was like six. Um, and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but isn't there like six IMAX cameras in the world or something? Yeah, and we time, broke two of them. In well, Dark they Knight? didn't break them. No, no. The story goes that they're at the time, which this is probably different by now, but there was only like a number of IMAX cameras in the world, especially mm-hmm. for Hollywood cinemas to use. They are expensive, mm-hmm. <laughs> and on the Dark Knight Rises, because every movie progressively they use IMAX more. Batman Begins, I don't think they used it at all. Dark Knight, they only did it for a couple sequences, and Dark Knight Rises, I think they did it for almost a majority of the movie. That was the movie where, like, Anne Hathaway was on that bike and knocked the camera down, and they were like, oh my god, but mm-hmm. they didn't actually break it. Oh, okay. I, they I thought they did, heard but there was, was like, six in the world, and they broke two of them. And it made, that's, that's I mean, maybe for the Dark Knight, but I never heard that. I just remember it made national news, because they're like, oh my god, one of them almost broke. One of them, yeah. Uh... I, uh, Meanwhile, I'd also heard that two stunt people died in that movie. Uh, that might be true. So, I mean, a everyone's lot, freaking out with the camera, but two the best people way to lost figure out their lives, it. not including Heath Ledger. Uh, of course, the best way to figure out if a stunt person dies is to watch the end credits, because that's usually where they put it, yeah. like in memory. But special thanks to <laughs> <laughs> that's so dark. Stunt people, they deserve Oscars, but they don't get them. Um, yeah. They should. I'll, Holy crap! I, I know, right? That. People have art every year when it's the Oscars. I always see tweets that say. Well, when are the stump people going to get a category? And that's true. I don't even really, I don't know what kind of award ceremony people don't they know get, many stump like, people, maybe but it's other than Hollywood nuts. people. They, they we don't know stunt people. Constantly you know? used in film, though. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, though, um, <laughs> yeah, my term for, like, they flip the semi mm-hmm. is the fact that once you do that in the movie, you're, there's no way your sequel can be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I was like, I, I've never hardly used the term, but for instance, when I when I was watching for uh, what movie am I thinking now? Um, you know, you watch something like Captain America: Civil War, and you get to that like final fight in the movie. I'm like, well, they flipped the semi. There ain't no way this can be better than the next Captain America if they even make one. It's but a dumb term. Even even in the movie, like the airport scene is incredible. Yeah, but then you you think that like. There's like you know another thirty minutes left. What can they possibly do? What can they do now? <laughs> but then that is such a sweet scene where it's like Captain America and Winter Soldier and Iron Man all fighting in the silo. Mm-hmm. So well done that it's Robert just Downey as Jr. Interesting. at his not maybe best. Even more. Like yeah. seriously, that yeah. I think that's his best work yeah. he's done since the first Iron Man. And I when that movie came out, obviously everyone's just talking about the story. It's so great, but I'm like honestly, 
Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. His acting in that, he did something way more special there than he's done in like like when the shock on his face when he sees that videotape. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy crap! Like this is awesome. Yep. We're getting off way off track, but um, yeah. we can move on. It's so good. It's so relative. We'll we'll get to that. You said that's in your top ten for sure, right? You're thinking or Civil War? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Civil War is in my top ten. Yeah. I I even you know some people think about like, oh, you like that more than The Dark Knight, and my top ten is it's. Very much based off what I think is an excellent movie, but also rewatchability and like mm-hmm. um, genuine. Um, you know, if I'm gonna pull something off the shelf on any given day with or without someone else in the room, um, I would love to pull Dark Knight off. But I think more times than that, I pull off Civil War. And oh, yeah, I guess it's because maybe it's because the Dark Knight I've had longer and I've pulled. You know, I've seen it so many times. I've pulled everything out of every scene as much as I could as possible. You know. But Civil War still has such a dynamic storyline for a, a Marvel movie right. that I still pick up little things that I that I I didn't realize that the interpreter or the interrogator who like is is killed by Baron Zemo is uh, Joe Russo. <laughs> He's the <laughs> actor that's dead in a bathtub. And then in Winter Soldier, the doctor that's taking care of. Uh, um, uh, Nick Fury is also Joe Russo. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> that's just really random. Yeah, two roles. Yeah, but oh, that, yeah, that's like the thing. Like this is a list based entirely like on like rewatchability, like movies I love, but rewatchability yep. and like because mm-hmm. obviously like if I was thinking like seriously like oh, greatest movies of all time, mm-hmm. like obviously I'd like I'd throw in like Shawshank. I'd throw in yeah, uh, uh, Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I would throw in probably. You know, like, you keep mentioning Children of Men, and I'm like, that's another one that's like, ooh. Mm-hmm. But it's not movies I watch all the time. Oh, Clockwork Orange, that's another one. But it's like, mm-hmm. these aren't movies I watch all the time, though. Yeah. But yeah. I love them. Yeah. Uh, we should, yeah, we can move on. <laughs> um, four? four? Four. The controversial choice. A combined, oh, yeah. The combined <laughs> effort of 1977, 1980, and 1983, with the help of George Lucas, Irving Kirshner, and Richard Marquand, which would be, as we title it, the Star Wars original trilogy, which comprises of what I call Star Wars. I don't call it A New Hope. Give me a break. That's not what it's called. That was not in there. Fine, though. It's episode four, A New Hope. But Star Wars. The next one, Empire Strikes Back. Next one, Return of the Jedi. Hunter, if you already don't know I love those movies, just look at my wall. I literally have the I'm three posters. Right now. <laughs> and they're not the special edition posters. They are the original posters, including the original Star Wars poster where he's like pointing a lightsaber at the sky. One of the best posters of all time. But, but not like, that's not a poster that was printed in the 70s. Mm. That is the one. That is. That is. That is not, no, 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 wait, no, that's not an original copy. Okay, that's oh, what I God. was talking about. Like, that is from 1970. Oh, if I had an original copy, that'd be in, like, a bank deposit yeah. safe box I'm somewhere. I'm like, holy <laughs> frick, man. I, that, that lunchbox, though, you see that Star Wars lunchbox? Yeah. That is from 77. That looks like it's from 77. Yeah. Uh, my friend got that for me at some yard sale. That was one of the, that's, like, one of my favorite things I own, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm sitting up there. I'm I've like, run into a fire for that. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's great. Hopefully it survives a fire. Yeah. Uh, but Star Wars trilogy, man, I love them. Yeah, it's a movie series where if I watch one, I have to watch them all. Uh, I love the fact that every one of them kind of takes place in different, you know, like planets. And you know, the first one's desert. The first one makes me think of snow. The first one's like the forest. 
first one makes me think of like yellow tones. The first one thinks me makes me think of blue tones and black tones. Next one thinks me makes me think of like green tones. Mm-hmm. Thinks me. I don't know why I keep saying thinks <laughs> me, but like I love the storyline. I love the character of Luke. I love the villains. I love. The fact that it's a tribute to, like, all cinema. There's, like, samurai movies in there. There's war movies in there. Oh, I'm going to burp. There's serial movies. I I seriously was. Like, I'm so close, and I'm like, I don't want to make that noise on the podcast. Uh, But there's, like... waiting for it now. (laughs) Just wait until the end. Maybe I'll catch that little burp later. (laughs) uh, It's, like, classic serial movies. It's, like fantasy elements there's some horror elements to it it's Mm -hmm. it's like every single thing you can think of all wrapped into three movies that are all of perfect length that all have great themes to them the first one is just basically it's like all movies and it's just the classic theme of you know the hero's journey that's what it is Mm -hmm. basically the fifth one is like the times and tribulation you know you gotta like you know, there's you know, there's the hardships, there's the f- big battles you gotta fight. There's gonna be the tough challenges ahead, and it's really gonna mess with your psychology. It's the big trial of Luke's, and if he can really be the great person that he wants to be, and you know, and is you know, the idea of you know, at what point are you ready to move forward, and such, and like, is what sacrifices are necessary. I like that about it, and I like the idea that. You know, like, there's that idea of, like, the old versus the young crowd. Like, Yoda says, don't go. They should fight. They should just take that sacrifice if you be- if they believe in your cause. But Luke is like, they're not going to sacrifice. Are you kidding me? I love that theme to it. I love the um, religious nature of the films. You know, the faith-based stuff about it. I like that. There's just so much going on on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And it's yet, it's wrapped into this one big story that can be mass-produced and the whole general public can love and it all wraps up in a great climactic ending that in the end is just basically the relationship between a father and son mm-hmm. and can the father repair this at this point mm-hmm. i love that i don't know it's great i and it's like it's a series that yeah i have to watch them all if i watch one of them mm-hmm. yeah Star yeah Wars. i mean no one's gonna disagree that star wars isn't um, or is amazing mm. it's it is the if you're to rank the trilogies we have available i can't <laughs> imagine a world where people wouldn't put star wars as the first the original star wars as, as the first my favorite trilogy, trilogy despicable me listen yeah, why yeah. hotel transylvania <laughs> cars <laughs> um that second film man where mater just is the oh secret agent <laughs> no um any movie where Larry the Cable Guy is in a trilogy <laughs> is not ranked above Star Wars. Anyway, so this is where I, I and I beforehand I asked Justin for his top ten, um, just so I could be prepared to talk about him. And I saw that Justin had entered a whole trilogy in his ah. number four spot, and I knew his reasoning behind it. But and I and I told him I, I'm gonna have some pushback for the podcast. So here it is. Um, I cannot put them personally as a single entry. And I think, I mean, there there are three separate movies, part of a grand universe, you know, which is good. Like, I couldn't put all the Marvel movies in one, but I don't want to use that as my argument. My argument is that they are by three different directors. 
in that they, even though they had the same vision behind them all, you know, George Lucas's vision, they are still three separate styles of like movie making that somehow feel the same, but they are still like, you know, it's as three. The, the passion projects that they are were made up of too many people to qualify it as one. If it was like, mm-hmm. I'd be a little bit closer to believing like the Indiana Jones trilogy being one because it's they're all Steven Spielberg written and directed. He's the core behind all of them, you know, or yeah. Edgar Wright, you know, and those, the Carnetto. But this is, this is like, even though these, I think, go together better than the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> And especially the Cornetto, the Cornetto trilogy. trilogy. <laughs> They're by three different directors, and they, and they they really are three separate movies. And, and I've already asked you, like, if you had to split them up, could you pick one? And you proceeded to tell me that you, they would just take up spots four, five, and six, <laughs> and then they would push out the other two, you know, yeah. nine and ten off the list. Into well, I okay, is, actually, I'll uh, explain this a little better. Yeah, I <clears throat> I was thinking it would push out four, five, you know, like oh. Uh, one would be four, and the other one would be five, and the other one would be six, and the rest would get pushed down. But I really, the more I think about it, I feel like it's just that one movie I really like the most, and that the rest of them would probably be lower down. Because I, without, okay, here's the thing. I, I think most people on the planet would say Empire Strikes Back. I think everyone would say that. They would be like, Empire Strikes Back is the best one, best written, best, you know, put together, best edited, best screenplay, best action, best effects, best everything. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite is still the original. I think that is the best of all of them, and that's simply because it is the story of all stories. It brings mm-hmm. everything together. It's got so many influences here and there. And maybe that's a weird reason to like a movie, but like I also like it because of the... I like it for the effects. I like yeah. it for the time period. I like the fact that it feels like a little movie that just managed to get big. And I'm like, how did yeah. they do this? But it's also the only one that's the classic hero's journey story. Because really, mm-hmm. the other two, you kind of need you know, that first one to kind of get well, it yeah, just They're not the standalone. They, they lean on the first yeah, one. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I know people like Empire Strikes Back. I mean... I was at a point, when I was a kid, I loved Return of the Jedi the most. As I grew up, teenage years, Empire Strikes Back was my favorite. But as mm-hmm. I've gotten like older, I'm like, I still like Star Wars, the original, more. Mm-hmm. And if that tells everyone out there anything, that means in another 10 years, Phantom Menace is going to be my favorite Star Wars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to kick you oh, wait until you wait until you hear my number one pick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. No, I, I okay. If you really want to talk seriously, Phantom Menace ain't even my least favorite. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is your I, least I favorite. Hate that one. I hate that one. I so much. liked it until I rewatched it two years ago, and I was like, "Yeah, this is garbage." <laughs> it's so boring, and yeah. it's got a great final like yeah. scene, but like with the fight, but it just looks bad. It is it's... like neat and like, but I didn't realize how grossly, <laughs> like digitized the whole thing is it is so what you mean like dexter jester like it is so <laughs> the yeah. yeah oh my oh, god that movie come he should come back in one of the sequels yeah he should come back in episode nine as the villain and he's like oh what do you know oh, <laughs> yes. what do you know <laughs> 
It's just me and Dexter, yeah. Je- Dexter Jester back in yeah. back in the country, oh, coming man. to take over the planet. No, I, I okay. So the first one I love the most, I think Empire and Return of the Jedi. I don't know about either of them. I because I know everyone's like, oh, Empire is perfect, and I'm like, okay, but like Return of the Jedi, I like so much of that movie. I know they take forever on Tatooine, and I know there's Ewoks, whatever. I don't, mm-hmm. I've liked them, but like. All those complaints I've always thought, I'm like, you know what? I really don't care. I don't care that they spend like a whole hour on Tatooine because that stuff's awesome. Mm-hmm. Jabba the Hutt getting stuck with the Rancor and mm-hmm. the different way that each of their plans just go wrong. I love it. And I love the ending. I think Return of the Jedi has by far the best ending of all of them. You know, towards the third act mm-hmm. with the Emperor and everything. But really, I would still put those down probably lower than the top 10 because those aren't movies that I constantly hop to. But Mm -hmm. I have seen myself just watching the original one a lot more than the other ones because, yeah, and I think it's just for the basic reason that it has the most basic story. It's the one that doesn't lean so much on so much mythology. I love Star Wars mythology, but I like that the first one kept it simple. I do. And that's, I mean, that's dumb, but like I do. That's why I love it. So that would be number four. But it's just because when I do watch it, by the end, I'm like, yeah, I gotta watch Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi now, so... Yeah, yeah, I can't just watch one of them. I think one time I put in Empire Strikes Back when I wasn't watching the trilogy through, and I mean, just because I do like it a lot. But yeah, even now thinking about it, I don't know if I could... I know I have a Star Wars ranked list, and I think Empire is at the top, but that's because I didn't put serious thought into it. I just know how the other ones rank really well. But between... Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back is such a freaking close tie. Because I do, as a kid, it was Empire Strikes Back, hands down. That's yeah. the one I would watch on VHS all the time. That's the only one, when I think about Star Wars, I could only ever think of the, you know, the Battle of Hoth, you know? And uh, him being like this snow cave, you know, with a Yeti and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I just love it. I love the whole yelling match between him and Darth Vader at the end and stuff, but... Really, yeah, you're right. Star Wars, because it's just a standalone movie, it is also just an incredible movie in general. It's it's the perfect hero's journey. I mean, just looking at the poster now, I mean, there's, there were so <laughs> many science fiction movies back then, but Star Wars was just weirdly unique. And I know, it, it just stood out stood in out. every way. Because, like I said, it's that mix of, like, you have that, like, earthy cultural tone where they're wandering in a desert and there's like cantinas and stuff but then you have this spacey the future tone you know where they're on the death star and on different um uh or not they're not on the death star are they they're never in the death star they're are they on the yeah they're in the death star they're? okay yeah that's another part i love i just love yeah. that there's a whole scene where it's basically it feels like almost teenage like kids yep. going into a Death Star. Yep. The biggest, like most dangerous yep. place to be on and they're just running around yeah. causing havoc. Yep. Love that. Yep. Uh, freaking you get Han Solo and Chewie just running around blasting stuff. Um I don't I, I think I was thinking of them being on a um a Star Destroyer for some reason. But yeah, it was definitely Death Star. Yeah. Um and then you also have like the that religious aspect of it, you know, of, of this this sacred ancient religion, you know, that they're, you know, clinging to but they're you know they realize that it's just your, your basic battle of good and evil is very interesting and then so yeah i don't know i i still can't even think of one to pick but if you do you would had if you had to separate them you would put star wars yeah. as number four i would put star wars Episode as four, four and then the other ones i don't think i'd do five or six i think they'd mm-hmm. be like 
not even in the top 10, but like still love them. And I love them all together. I think you just need them all together. I do love yeah. so many aspects of it, but I think I would just, it would probably just be four. I mean, yeah. I mean, four, number four would be the fourth one or the first one or whatever you want to call it. But, mm -hmm. uh, oh, and just for clarification, I like the one where they didn't add the Jabba scene. So I like it pre-1997 special edition. Mm -hmm. I don't even like to be... A, you know, here's the thing. I, we'll do this on a whole different podcast mm -hmm. someday. But, like, I don't like being a whole snob about the special editions. I don't care. I'm like, they exist. It's all right to have director's cuts. I just don't like that they're not available on Blu-ray. I don't like that every version of it isn't available. All 19 versions. Yeah, well, I mean, so yeah, there's, like, basically there's... At this point, I would say there's four official versions... And it's the original cut that is the one that's hard to get access to. And that's the one that I like the best because it cut out the job of stuff. And yeah, I don't like all the enhancements. It's fun to look at, but like, mm -hmm. I'd rather have no enhancements, especially since that's the one that won the Academy Award. That's the one that people put lots of time and effort into. Yeah, people put effort in the CG, but like, it's like these models at the time were so hard to do yeah. and they had like no money yeah. <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable they turned out so good but people a lot of people probably at this point mm -hmm. in this generation probably haven't even seen it because there's no way to get it you yeah. only got the blu-rays which yeah watch them but god that i think personally when we watched uh we had a film as art class and we watched star wars they had the java scene mm-hmm and I thought it was just... <coughs> what was oh, God. Is that, that the burp when they came out? It was escaping. Just like, that was my interpretation. You were of talking, and there was like a brief silence. And then, like, it's like like you puked air for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> Nothing came out. That was out, so bad. Pockets of air. Ooh, I'm alive. Oh. The Jabba scene was in the movie, and um, it felt like it slowed the whole whole thing down and i was like oh my god i'm like this is going on forever it's pointless mm -hmm. but i digest love all three digest. of those movies <laughs> i digest i digest i digest that's not wait, wait what what is the term <laughs> i digress holy <laughs> shit <laughs> how many people have you said i digest to <laughs> never have said it in my life i can't believe it you know what i'm gonna be quite honest 100 percent for years, I thought it was I digest. <laughs> I digest. Hi everyone. My name is Justin. I have a four-year bachelor's degree, and I didn't know that the term was I digress. I I did, but I I literally get it mixed up. It's like uh, it's like wife beater and white beater. <laughs> I like I mess it up. I, I thought I thought it was white beater. And I was like, well, it's a white shirt, right? Oh my Use a white tank top. Uh, I've been so. Uh, this is a short little thing. I've been like wanting to get into into filmmaking, but you know, I'd like to make like short comedy films, like kind of like mockumentary style mm -hmm. stuff and just have like some character where he just says stuff like that wrong all the time so kind of like michael scott yeah that's but, what i was thinking but like scott. like i digest or the one i was thinking is uh um <laughs> as an um, okie afterbirth uh popular to contrary belief and then <laughs> go off that you know well maybe you, you say things you know well, just maybe, slightly wrong to where they sound normal, but you're like, what? That doesn't... You know. Maybe next time you will estimate me. Yeah, well, maybe next well, time. Well, well, well. How the turntables. <laughs> <laughs> well, the prod... The prog my son returns. <laughs> Early worm gets the worm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 
Oh, uh, anyway, let's. Okay. I'm Number, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know. I, I mean, yeah. I do, but like. I, digest. It's okay. No one catches me well, on it. You're probably okay. digesting something. That's horrible. Anyway. So, um. All right. So we pretty much ended the Star Wars one, I guess. Yeah, we're done. So you, just to make sure, you would put Star Wars. Yep. Original 1977 yep. uncut version. Okay. Cool. Because we'll probably make a list on the like the Instagram post. Oh yeah, definitely. We kind of yeah. need to throw it in there. But anyway. All right. We're up to three. Three. This is 1995 film directed by John Lasseter. It is Toy Story, the first Pixar film, the one that Disney finally said, all right, come and make a movie. And Disney only did that because at the time they were able to, they had a lot of money and they were making tons of movies. That's why you got things like Lion King. That's why you got things like Out of Nowhere Goofy movie was made. Like all these movies were getting made. So they were like, they were opening the door saying, come and make your movie because Disney had lots of money and Pixar finally got it shot and it blew the world out of the water and it turned the entire industry upside down because now we get cg films all the time and people apparently don't like 2d films and i think you're nuts <laughs> but um i love toy story it is my favorite screenplay of all time because everything fits in the place everything that as far as like a perfect like well put together clock and clogs going together cogs going together there you can count me again saying things wrong but um i think it's wonderfully put together i think everything about it just works it's got great characters everybody has a resolution it has a perfect pace to it it's only i believe 90 minutes long but it's just might be even 80 minutes long but it's just it's a joy ride it's got so many uh interesting designs and so many interesting worlds and for the technology they had at the time they took advantage of it so well it's uh one person once uh mentioned that it's weird that the <laughs> first cg animated film was not an action film because up until that point cg was used in jurassic park terminator 2 other movies mm -hmm. basically action movies here comes a cg animated film and they didn't do an action movie they did something that was for families they did like a kids movie they did mm -hmm. a disney movie i like that it's a buddy comedy basically i like tom hanks and tim allen and they work perfectly with those voices mm -hmm. i like um yeah i don't know i just i love that movie i have seen it obviously as a kid on vhs own the blu-ray of it now i even have a laser disc of it i mean mm -hmm. it is just a wonderful film and great climax really great humor to it too and i think it's some of like the uh, more it's the most adult humor that pixar has done and they do adult humor well mm -hmm. like if you watch it you're like it's so subtle but it's there and you're yeah. like man they're good man, they're like good. they are like seriously good job and, and they and since then they haven't really done it like that but yeah it's good I don't know what you gotta say about it. Yeah, I like Toy Story. I think I a lot of people, you know, especially like in high school, I remember people are always like, "We gotta go see Toy Story." You know, three is coming out. We gotta go see Toy Story. Or people would talk about whether like the first one or second one more. And I guess like I never really gave it. I, mean, I had it around as a kid. I had them all. You know, as it came out, I had them like on VHS, and but I never gave them like a solid thought because when I first started getting into movies. I just didn't qualify like animated movies like I did, you know, live action. It wasn't until when I really like committed myself to movies, um, you know, like in, I don't know, 2014 or 15, 
um, that I realized that animated movies are so vital and important to movie culture. But before then, I just never gave them thought as like important. You know, mm-hmm. I never cared for a director of an animated movie because it's not the same as a director for you know it's not Christopher Nolan or I, Brad Bird. You yeah, know, it's like it's I, a different style of directing, but they are equally important. I and, almost and I didn't that, realize like, that till like twenty fourteen. I almost say that making an animated movie is literally harder than making a live action movie. Could be, like, probably. Are you is kidding that? me? Like, you I can't. I don't know where to start. You got to yeah. make all the environments rather yeah. than just finding them. Like, I don't know. It's tough. And yep. I mean, I yeah, that happened. I'll even say from an academic level, from mm-hmm. taking film classes, they still don't really teach animated films at all. Mm-hmm. And you can even find that in the you know mass, you know film culture like they don't appreciate i mean sure they appreciate pixar films but animated films altogether not really because even criterion you know who releases you know these uh what's considered the best films of all time you know Mm -hmm. they haven't released hardly any animated films and i'm like that's just weird yeah it's almost like a refusal to and Toy Story is one that I think it goes beyond just being a Pixar, you know, Disney fun summer movie type thing. No, I'm like, it is, like, so well-crafted and has so many, like, mm-hmm. you know, good morals to it, too. Great story to yep. it. I think there's a scene in that movie where it's just, like, I mean, because it's, like, it's kind of like, it's like the downfall of Buzz. Mm-hmm. Buzz realizing he's not really who he thought he was Mm -hmm. and he needs to like figure out who he is again from the very character who's been like talking down to him this entire movie Mm -hmm. which is woody there's a scene in that movie where like it's buzz and he's finally just given up but woody's Mm -hmm. trying to pep talk him while he's in that crate i always love that scene i think that is such a well done emotionally impactful scene that happens so quickly but Mm -hmm. if you if you don't pay attention, you're going to just, you know, not, you're, you're, as a kid, I never noticed it. But, like, watching it now, I'm like, that is such a good scene. Like, I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And it, such good humor. Like, when he goes and he's, like, they're in that, you know, the RC, the, mm-hmm. you know, little remote control car. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they run on the battery power. But they have a rocket on, <laughs> strapped on Buzz's back. So, Woody also has one match. And all this has been led up to. It's like, oh my god, everything fell into place. Woody had that match from earlier. Buzz had the rocket from earlier. He's going to light the match. This is perfect. And then a car drives by and the match goes out. And I'm like, it is the biggest like letdown ever. You're like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, in that moment, you're like, oh my god. Like, that was their one shot. They just missed it. Mm-hmm. And they still find a way because that that's just how well put together that script is. They put in all these little details and moments that still lead... Everything has a purpose to mm-hmm. it. So well put together. Yeah. But I, I love it. Yeah. Toy Story. The Toy Story. I don't like the uh, second or third one as much. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah. They're not even... I mean, they're, they're fun. Yeah. And I think they're better than most Pixar movies you know um with the exception of a few but they are not the magic of the first one and uh i don't even know because i haven't seen the second one it feels like in years but third one i i do remember well i remember seeing it in theaters and uh i was hyped for it and i i, I liked it a lot and i think that really has a lot of strong emotions mm-hmm. to it and i think a lot of people would say that's the better of the ones but to me it's just the fact that first one's just so it's paced so freaking well yeah. yep and 
it's almost Incredibles level of perfect. Yeah, like, really. Uh, I think so it's perfect. Yeah. It, for me, like it's the the message that because it's a kids movie, it's it's like the deepest. I can't think of another kids movie that has a deeper message, that is as well accepted by kids that age i remember being just crazy little and understanding the movie perfectly yeah exactly and that taught me about life like hey friends are gonna suck but like that doesn't matter like you still need this this community you know you still (laughs) need people around to lift you up even you know to to show you that your dreams might not be reachable but then also if you don't have dreams like maybe woody to show that hey you can reach a little higher than what you thought you could you know and Mm -hmm. and i think that message is so crazy well shown through just a good movie and uh you know i i i've heard you know a lot of people I, i've heard podcasts that talk about like like frozen and being controversial like like being too hard to understand for young kids and stuff which whether or not it is or isn't i don't really care but toy story is the most potentially convoluted hard to grasp relationship story between two friends <laughs> right that is so well understood like it shouldn't yeah. be that easy but it is for kids i know well and i also and, i think most people never give enough credit to kids i'm like i think yep. i think kids are a lot smarter than yep. we like to give credit to it's for just sure. that we don't give them a chance to talk yeah <laughs> yeah um we can move on mm-hmm. uh closing in here we're getting down to episode the two <laughs> You want me to just say it? Oh, you yeah. said number two? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know it. Everyone knows that 1985, uh, Robert Zemeckis, Back to the Future. I mean, what can I say that has not been said about this movie? I saw this at a young age, and I know Hunter saw it at a young age. It's mm-hmm. a movie about the 80s. It's about the 50s. It's a sci-fi movie. It's a comedy movie. It's a movie about a family. It's a movie about... Uh, time travel. Mm-hmm. It's a movie with great characters, with great scenes, mm-hmm. with funny dialogue, with Good funny music. quotes, with great score, with a great soundtrack, mm-hmm. with great music from you know Huey Lewis and the News. It's got uh, great acting across the board. Mm-hmm. It's got everybody's best performance that they've ever had. That's in one movie. It's a movie that's it, it's almost too good it's too good (laughs) to imagine like you couldn't believe that at that time there was a movie that was so good Mm -hmm. and that it's resonated with time despite the fact that it's totally set in its time it's one of those movies that it's so 80s and so many of the jokes revolve around the fact that it's an 80s movie there's Mm -hmm. jokes about tab and pepsi free that's a joke that i think goes over most people's heads nowadays Mm -hmm. but it still resonates with this time and the fact that everybody has seen it and yeah. everybody talks about it. It's the only movie I could think of where the ride at Universal closed down and yet people still talk about that. I have a picture up there. It's the DeLorean time machine from the movie. It's mm-hmm. the middle photo there. That's still at Universal Studios because people still love the movie that mm-hmm. much. And I uh, just... I love that's another movie just like Toy Story where the screenplay is so well put together and so well paced mm-hmm. and every element is there. It's a movie that I love, and to be honest, I don't know what message I really get out of that movie. I mean, I mean, and that might be bad, but like, no, like I think it's just a message of, you know, make your dreams possible. You know, as Marty says, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
I don't know. I think that's enough. I think that's all the movie needs because there's so much else going on in that mm-hmm. movie. It's it's a lot of people's favorite movie, and I'm like I, I'm, I know I'm joining the crowd there, but I'm not gonna be some cynical or mm-hmm. you know snooty snob like critic about this i'm not going to be trying to stand out of the crowd on purpose no i love this movie i have seen it so many times i watch Mm -hmm. it yearly maybe twice yearly maybe more than that it is one of the most important movies ever it cannot be remade Mm -hmm. even though i've argued that it probably could be remade honestly but like yeah what do you think i mean you love it Mm -hmm. i know it's up there for your top 10 i wouldn't be surprised if it's number one like it is that good yeah, Back to, Back to the Future is just, it's the movie of movies for me. It's it's the one that got me hooked on film. It's the one that got me um, just, uh, man, just passionate about narrative and storytelling, really. It got me interested in reading. You know, I wanted to read books because I wanted to figure out how to think of a story like this because it's so abstract and wild and... and uh, it shouldn't have been possible, you know, because it's such a weird premise. The, the little <laughs> subtle ideas of of an old guy in the community who's like ostracized, and the, a, a seventeen year old kid sneaking out to hang out with this old man, do science experiments in a parking lot at J C Penney's, somehow, and he's tied in with Libyan terrorists, and then like he the <laughs> the science is so wacky that he goes back in time, like you know. Somehow his own mother falls in love with him. I was gonna say the time travel ain't the weirdest part. <laughs> yeah, it's the weird incest in it. And like, if you were to bring that up in in a you know nowadays, that would never sell. And no then, studio would accept a movie like that. Well, do you want to? Did you know, you know about the movie actually at the time? Every studio was passing on it, not because of the incest. They were passing on it because they didn't think it was raunchy enough. And that was during the time where movies like Porky's came out. And uh, everybody wanted to be like Porky's. Everyone Mm -hmm. wanted to be like Animal House. Every movie wanted to be like, you know, that kind of movie. So, yeah, they they wanted to be more raunchy. And they couldn't, they didn't think Back to the Future was raunchy enough. They brought it to Disney. And even though Disney was kind of weird in the 80s, I mean, they, Mm -hmm. they ended up releasing Fly the Navigator, which is, I believe, the only Disney movie that have the word shit in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a lot of movies that Disney made during the 80s that were kind of out there for them. And they passed on Back to the Future because they thought it was too raunchy and it was because mm-hmm. of the incest. I, uh, what's cool about that movie is that uh, like every second of it is memorable. I don't even know how to explain that, but like every mm-hmm. single shot in that movie to me is memorable. Every yeah. single moment. I there's some movies you know I'll watch again, even some of my favorite movies, and I'll mm-hmm. like see a shot and I'll be like, oh, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. But Back to the Future makes like everything memorable. It's like an, a memorable, a memorable joyride. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anyone would dislike the movie. I get it if like maybe I don't know maybe some of the stuff goes too far for them. Maybe some of the stuff is outdated. But I don't even think there's really much in it that's out. Dated. I don't think anything is. Yeah, I, so, I think it still resonates. Right now, you know, 2018, you know, at the time we're recording this podcast, because you know you're years in the future listening right, back. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, 2018, we have so much of our culture now <clears throat> is completely, like, the focus of many parts of our culture is, is on bringing back the 80s. Yeah. From fashion right now to 
movies, you know, we have Stranger Things as probably one of the highest, if not the highest grossing Netflix series, and it's completely okay. 80s thing, you know? Yeah, and then It, which was yep. the 80s, one of the highest grossing yep. movies last year, yeah. We're obsessed it. with, yeah, rebooting everything from Star and Wars to Indiana Jones in to like Blade Runner. Wonder Woman's going to take you know? place in the 80s, and yep. they also want to do a Joker movie set in the 80s. Like, we're obsessed. Yeah. It's a sickness. It is... But, like, it's... I'm okay with it, because I, oh, yeah, I love, I love the 80s, you know? And, yeah, Back to the Future was that movie that did it for me, you mm-hmm. know? I, I'll i talk about it a little bit, because it's in my top ten. Um, and I'll talk yeah. about my affinity for it in my, my top ten. But, yeah, Back to the Future is the movie of movies for me. It's There's nothing like it. There's nothing that really will... I hope nothing will be like it, but then again, I do, because I love it, and I want more. But, and it's um, like... Yeah. Yeah, it, it perfectly encapsulates the time period but also is um timeless and it's weird i don't think there's any other movie that has ever done that Mm -hmm. and that's the one that can do it just because it's that well done the whole trilogy is amazing i love the trilogy too but it's like obviously the first one's the best but like i love the fact that it's one of the only series out there where it actually ended on a trilogy Mm -hmm. and there's not more movies mm-hmm. they didn't years later do another one or do some like random spin-off or you know the the new the video game the uh, yeah but i mean that's not really game? a movie but like i get it's what you, canonized kinda, weirdly yeah. but it's you know it's not that great it's I, still I, interesting but it's i i i guess you can include that but as far as like movies go i'm like they yeah. haven't done anything else and that's amazing to me mm-hmm. especially this when we're in the generation Rick and Morty. yeah i guess <laughs> oh my god well, you know, when I saw that, I was instantly, I was like, what the heck? This is Back yeah. to the Future. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe it's just like a random, like, you know, like, thing that they did. But then yeah. I realized the show's about time travel and that kid's name's Morty. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, come on. I'm like, yeah. that's what they're doing, yeah. obviously. But I, um, that's a movie that, you know, years later, now we're in, now, we're not really in the years of remakes anymore. Now we're in what we call the soft reboot age, where mm-hmm. they know remakes won't do well, so they're like, well, how about we just bring back one character, or we have it continuing the events from yeah, the original? Sequel. But I'm still surprised that they've never done anything with Back to the Future. I mean, I don't, I don't think they can, because the writers mm-hmm. have a strong lock there, where they're like, no, we have to approve, and we'll never approve. It just seems so wrong. It's weird how it's not wrong to do Star Wars. But it is. I think it's more because the prequels for Star Wars well, yeah, made it like open. It, it opened the gate yeah. for it. But Back to the Future, you're right. There's nothing before or after. It's untouchable. Yeah. Like and, they. You and know, I feel like I. I wonder. It would have to be Zemeckis to do it. Like because yeah. Spielberg brought back Indiana Jones, but like you'd have to have Zemeckis be the guy to come back with a lot back of these the reboots and such got approved by the director. Like Jurassic World, that Steven Spielberg still was. You know, it was his company. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, like you said, he also did Indiana Jones. And Star Wars was already planned from the get-go with George Lucas and everything. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if they would ever do anything with Back to the Future in any form with Zemeckis behind it all. But I doubt it. I doubt I, it. I feel like and I wonder if he dies, if they would then do something. No. I mean, I, that, no. I mean, here's the thing. I thought Ghostbusters was one that was untouchable, but they did remake that. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I'm like, maybe Back to the Future, just they'll never do anything. And I kind of love that, but we'll see. If they did, I've told you my premise of it. Like, oh, yeah, you told me my yeah, extreme yeah. comedy version of it, like a, like a super bad version of Back to the Future, where yeah. it's like an obvious 
obvious comedy, but not a parody where it's making fun of it. It just happens to be comedy driven, you yeah. know. Have Jonah Hill play Marty McFly, and have Christopher Walken or Morgan Freeman play Doc, you know. Well, yeah. That John mean... Travolta play Biff. I think would be awesome. <laughs> have like a John young Tra- teen teenager Travolta. I totally could see them even doing a remake just mm-hmm. because it's like that's a movie where it's like the 80s they go back Donald to the 50s. Oh my god. <laughs> they say that was supposed to be him. Yeah. I'm like, really? I don't know. Can you imagine? Um, you can go All right, yeah, we, we've already been two hours in podcast. Jeez. So we need to do Woo! your number one, man. Number one number film one. of all time Akiva Schaefer, 2007. The name of the film is Hot Rod. Let me explain. <laughs> Sure, some of you are surprised. Eh, maybe not, but it's not the cinephiles, uh, you know, go-to movie. It's not a film that I think lots of f- uh, film Twitter, as they say, would go for. Yeah. But it is a movie that the second I watched it, and this was at a time I have seen a lot of movies at that age, and I had seen a lot of comedies, but I got the DVD of that from Blockbuster, knowing that. Andy Samberg was in it, and that it was promoted in Trans World magazine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember it was promoted in there for some reason. Yeah. So Our I knew, World. yeah, Everyone I had that. Had a Trans World. I got that. I got that magazine, and they had a poster in there, and I knew it was the guys from Lonely Island. I liked Lonely Island from SNL, and I was like, I want to see this movie. Never knew about it being released in theaters, and what ticks me off is I'm pretty sure you saw it in theaters. Yeah, I did. That makes me so because my dad saw a trailer <laughs> at a different theater. And he looked at me, he's like, we gotta go see that. <laughs> and then we go and see it, and like, the first scene, the ramp breaks, and, and uh, uh, oh, Danny name? McBride. Danny McBride. Rico. He's, it wasn't just drop, he's, he's like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> and then my dad, like, like looked at me, because he's, you know, super Christian, and like, you know. And oh, can't listen to that. I just remember, like. But also being like, this movie is the best thing ever. Because, <laughs> like, what movie opens with that, you know? So that's anyway, another, that's yeah, just I a, did that's up the there with Kick Ass, where if you, the first scene gets you, you, it's got you for the rest yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And <laughs> I, uh, I got that movie from Blockbuster. I watched it. I remember it was my portable DVD player. Yeah. Watched it in my camper during a camping trip, and the whole movie, I was like, this is a. I'd never seen anything like that. And granted, mm-hmm. there's other comedies that are like it. But to this day, when I rewatch it, I see other comedies. I'm like, there's still nothing like this out there. There's just not. And I can even explain why. I have seen that movie. I had a tally at one point. It was like nearly 50 times. Like, mm-hmm. I've probably seen it more than that. I would, when I was sick at home from school, I would just rewatch it over and over mm-hmm. again. I adore that movie. It is the most rewatchable movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Every single moment of that movie is funny every single character of mm-hmm. that movie is funny and everything's original to me anyway i think the characters are very original i like the fact that the movie is set in a time period you can't figure it out i mean obviously i think it's set in the current time period of which would have been 2007 but the style and the music it's like is this 70s is this the 80s is this the 90s mm-hmm. you never know and i love that i like the cast i like the Music, it's Europe, basically. It's basically the Final yeah. Countdown soundtrack. And it uses nearly every song, except for the Final Countdown, which yep. I think is awesome. <laughs> and then, like, isn't that weird? Like, they even yeah. said that. They're like, in the commentary, they're like, you know, it's like we intentionally didn't use Final Countdown. Yeah. But 
I love it's all so the funny. weird scenes. I think yeah. everything about it's memorable, quotable, and I like the fact that what I think happened is when they wrote that movie, it was before Superbad had come out. Mm-hmm. Superbad had knocked out, uh, knocked out, knocked up, came out in two thousand seven. Okay. They changed the whole industry, and out came the raunchy R-rated comedies again. Mm-hmm. That's where you got the likes of Hangover, and then you got some other ones like. I love you, man, or uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, or, you know, all those hard R comedy. And Hot Rod was not written in that time period, so the studio said it was originally a Will uh, Will Ferrell movie, if you didn't know. I was going to say, it's it's very much a Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, and it was written by Pam Brady, who has done a lot of Will Ferrell movies. And the movie was written like that. But he ended up not doing it. I don't know why. I'm glad he didn't because it would have just been like his movie. And what The Lonely Island did was they took it and they basically shook it up. And they made it something that they would be in. And mm-hmm. that's where all the weird jokes came in. That's where a lot of the weird humor and weird designs and uh, references and such came forward. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> oh, it's weird. Man. Like, this it is, is a movie so where they're just – it's two characters apologizing to one another. Yeah. And then – you know, he says cool beans and they're like cool beans and that just turns into a song for like no reason. Yeah. It's got dream sequences in it. It has hilarious stunts in it and I like the fact that since it was uh it couldn't have been a, a hard art because the studio said, No, if you want people to see this movie it has to be PG thirteen and I think because of that, the Lonely Island wrote a movie that had to be in the grounds of a PG-13 mm-hmm. rating. So that's where all these weird jokes came from. And they couldn't do all those out there. Because like they said in the making of, they said, oh, if it would have been a hard R, we would have done things like, oh, whip out your dick, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, to me, that's not as funny or original yeah, that's not really as what they did. Either, I don't think. And if you want proof, watch Popstar. Now, I like Popstar, yeah. but there's proof of what would have happened if they would have been allowed to do a hard R movie. Yep. A lot of the jokes would have fit in with the generic, what you'll find mm-hmm. in the horror. I mean, I like it, but what I like about Hot Rod is that they couldn't do it, so they had to find all these weird ways to do jokes, and it's yeah. hilarious. What yeah. Basically, because they were given these restrictions. Yeah. It's like, sometimes <laughs> restrictions are good, but what I also love is, I think I love that story so much, and maybe I relate to it too much, but it's basically about a guy who believes so much in what he's doing, and trying so hard but it's like he's still not really that good at it yeah but he still does it because he loves it and he's doing this all not because he's trying to gain the honor or the respect mm-hmm. of his uh stepfather but he's doing it because he just <laughs> he wants to fight him basically yeah which is weird it's the weirdest but he is very driven about that one thing like, i know it's and that's, fake it's, it's like serious like, that's like what his whole goal and intent is and yeah. i'm like i'm sorry but that's just hilarious to me mm-hmm. and i like the fact that even when you get to the end of the movie it's like you find uh, and i mean and i've seen other movies do that since but this one does it the best mm-hmm. he gets to the end of the movie he gets a whole town almost area state basically behind him to help raise up money for his stepfather to get a new heart mm-hmm. so he's going to do this one big jump the biggest jump of all time and you think you're getting there toward the, the end and you're like he's going to do it he's going to raise his hands up it's going to be you know like the rocky 2 ending he finally succeeds you know because of course he needs the money but no he still fails he still messes up because mm-hmm. of course he does because the <laughs> whole movie he's been messing up the whole time and like other movies 
For some reason, without training, these people always succeed, win the day. But he doesn't because he hasn't gotten any better. Mm -hmm. But he's gotten better as a person still. And that's what the movie's really about. But, like, I love that. I just love that, you know, he still, he still perseveres yeah. even though everything sucks. Yeah. Even though everything still is going wrong for him, he still has such a bright attitude about it. And I love that. I think that is amazing. And he mm -hmm. just never gives up. That is, like, the most inspirational thing to me. Maybe it's kind of dark because, like, maybe at a certain point, if you suck at something, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. But yeah. I don't know. I think I like that he just keeps going. For the worst reason. Like, <laughs> right? So he can kick someone's persistent ass. Persistent with for like the way wrong motive, yeah. No, I I just the little snippets of scenes in it is what gets it for me. Like it is a good overall story, but I keep laughing thinking about now just when they're they're at like the smoothie place and uh his brother's got the Heelys on and he's they're zipping around and uh he like Danny McBride keeps pushing him into the van you know like he's pushing him in the back into the van and then like uh he comes up to rise like hey rod what's that what's that movie or what's what's that song where grandma gets run over by a reindeer he's like grandma got run over by a reindeer he's like no <laughs> like, you know? no but when he's pushing him into the van he's pushing him into the van it is so hilarious oh there's so many like little like, moments like that yeah like uh <laughs> bill Hader when he's <laughs> They're filling a pool full of water. Just out of nowhere, he's like, man, pools are great for holding water. <laughs> like, yeah. who says that? <laughs> pools are, yeah. Great for holding Yeah, don't right. you ever tell me how to live my life again. Yeah. Or or when they're, when they're, oh my god, he rings that bell. When he's about to, like, dunk himself underwater yeah. and see how long he can hold his yeah. breath. He hit, rings a bell and then he goes, oh, and they all start singing. And then here comes Bill Hader's sister, who's like, "Hey, Mom, I don't know if you want a great punch." And he yeah. just yells at her for no yeah. reason. He's like, "Hi, Maggie, don't even ask. Just bring it. All right, just, don't just, just stare at me." <laughs> There's so just bring it. The whole movie's full of that, and that's the thing. Like, it's a movie that if you watch it, you either get it or you just yeah. don't. If you watch it and you're like, "This is so stupid," fine, fine by yeah. me. I'm like, whatever. I mean, that's not a movie I get mad at if you don't like. It's like mm -hmm. Back to the Future is. I'm like, there's no yeah. reason to dislike that, yeah. but. Hot Rod, I'm like, it's either it's either you get it, or you, or just, you don't. just don't get and it. You just, yeah. It's like, it's fine, whatever. Because it is so weird. Oh, it is a movie, a movie I relate to on such a big level. I mean, man, that was like our big go-to movie back in the day. And it oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. oh man, that reminded me of Martown so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, like you said, it's the movie. It, it reminds me of like Napoleon Dynamite. Like it's, it feels like it's a modern day, but there's so many themes from like the, you know, 80s and 90s. That, like, it's it's a small town that's stuck in that era. They never, like, progressed <laughs> with the rest of culture. Like, our town yeah. was stuck in the 90s. And, mm -hmm. like, um, th that's what this was is to me. Or in Napoleon Dynamite, it looks like it's a 90s movie. But it's, like, in a town where, like, the town is stuck in the 90s, but Napoleon Dynamite is stuck in the 80s still. Yeah. Not because it's cool to him, but just because he doesn't know it's how to stuck, even dress yeah. like the 90s yet. He's just <laughs> stuck in it. And... But it's still like a modern movie, so yeah, dude. Hot Rod's the stuff. I love Hot Rod. I, yeah. I I should do a couple more videos on Hot Rod. Somewhere, yeah, but... I need to rewatch it again. I haven't seen <laughs> maybe this. I haven't seen it this year at least. Um, so we need to wrap up. We're like crazy way oh over. Oh my god! I wanted um, this to be an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Um, 
Well, James Gunn was a long conversation, oh, but also this was. So maybe like we can edit the James Gunn part I out, can edit and some maybe stuff down. we could make the James Gunn just a small snippet side episode or something. True. A Star Wars story, a Cinema <laughs> Swamp story. Um. Anyway, so quick, just give me your your rundown of your top ten again. Yeah. Ten, so, ten to one. Yeah. So that would be. Uh, oh, you want me to go ten to one? So starting. I mean, is that 10? what we decided on? Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, back. To, uh well, this is a quick rundown of my movies again. Number ten is The Goonies. Number nine is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Number eight is Kick Ass. Number seven is The Incredibles. Number six is Ed Wood. Number five is The Dark Knight. Number four is Star Wars. Number three is Toy Story. Number two is Back to the Future. And number one is Hot Rod. Would you look at that? Ten movies. Yeah, that's, that's that's Justin Wilton, everyone. Talking about the Goonies, it feels like a decade ago that we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, it was a long time we talked about Goonies. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. Well, now I hope you guys know a little bit about Justin and his passion for film. And um, I just wrote this down while we were talking. Um, for future podcasts, we would love to have guests on. That's, yeah. that's a huge passion. We'd like to, you know, if we, I don't know if we need to upgrade our mic quality, but I would love to have like six people sitting around this little table talking about movies. Um, so, hey, if you, if you have a top 10 list, make a top 10 and you don't just submit the top 10, but let us know, um, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, if you would like to be on the, you know, podcast or if you, you know, it, anything you know please suggest an argument to us or something you know we would love to have you on but honestly like if you're in the northern minnesota northern wisconsin side of things um let us know because it'd be cool to have you on Mm -hmm. um but yeah so yeah this is we're gonna end the podcast here yeah um do you want to throw up your uh your at information for social media really quick i don't know we i don't think we even did this at the beginning but uh Mm -hmm. well uh you can find the cinema swamp on Instagram at Cinema Swamp and on Twitter at Cinema Swamp. So you know, send the questions, send the uh, different ideas that you have because we're we're listening. We definitely mm-hmm. are. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Justin underscore Wilton. You can find my uh, YouTube channel. It's you know YouTube.com slash user slash Cinephile Studios. That's where you'll find tons of movie reviews, a couple different movies I've made and such. So. All kinds of more talking about movies and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then you're, you know, we should plug Letterbox too. Oh, yeah. You guys get Letterbox if you don't. It's yeah, the uh, best get, social media movie app possible. It's, it's specifically social media themed movie app. It's yeah. like the Instagram for movies. So if you want to know what we've been watching, so I also, yeah, we have Letterbox. I think mine's just Justin Wilton. Yeah, it's the same as your Twitter. Yeah, I so, think so. It's easy at enough. Justin underscore Wilton. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to come check out some of my stuff, I'm on Letterboxd um, at I'm underscore am underscore Hunter. So it's it's specifically a, I'm it's am grammatically <laughs> incorrect. I'm am Hunter, um, and that's the same for Twitter. Um, I post a lot about movies. Usually, when I watch a movie, I'll post a a little picture of it and then a short non uh, it short spoiler free um, tweet about what my thoughts on the movie are, and then like a you know five what out of five star rating and stuff and then if you want to check out my instagram it's the same uh handle um at i'm underscore am underscore hunter um yeah feel free to follow either of us but especially the podcast follow the podcast on twitter and instagram at cinema swamp not the cinema swamp at cinema swamp (laughs) no the Um, cinema swamp but 
yeah so i guess this is us signing off thanks justin for giving us your your top 10 oh yeah and, uh, i feel i feel quite egotistical about myself right now uh, but it's the best time to be a narcissist uh I definitely uh stick around for newer episodes in the future <laughs> uh we're gonna try to lower we tried uh doing less of the of this on the table yeah i slowly <laughs> would put my hands on <laughs> we're trying better the sound yeah. equipment will slowly get better over time and i uh <laughs> we're also gonna try to like lower the length of these episodes but yeah we'll figure out a way we'll figure out a way <laughs> We will see you next time yeah. uh, on the Cinema Swamp for yep. sure. This is Justin signing off. This is Hunter signing off. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp. Well, you made it through another Cinema Swamp. Can a trilogy rank as a single entry on a top 10 list? Please leave a comment on this episode or suggest an argument on social media at Cinema Swamp on Twitter or Instagram. We'll see you next time. And remember, always beware of the Cinema Swamp. <laughs>